Dan's like, he was our doctor. And Jack's like, people can kill doctors? <laughs> Wait, are you telling me doctors die? That's not supposed to happen. Stop. That's really scary. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 28-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode, it would have been perfect if we had left board games <laughs> till this episode, but unfortunately we just talked about board games in 401. So uh, Ben uh, is in a coffee shop, so we're going to talk about what we buy at a coffee shop. I can't say I'm much of a coffee person. Um, I've never been like reliant on coffee, which I do appreciate about myself, but uh, on certain days I will indulge, especially if it's pumpkin spice latte season. Ooh, I didn't know there was... Like, love a pumpkin spice frappuccino. Any kind of coffee that you liked. Yeah, I will do, um... Given that your main beverages are water, milk, tea. Correct. Iced tea, sorry. Iced tea, sweet iced tea in particular, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'll do a little bit of that, but it has to be, like, so, so, so sweet. Uh, at the time of recording this, I went to my cousin's wedding a couple days ago, and you know how, like, at weddings, they're just like, would you like coffee, like, at the end? You oh, know? yeah, like nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I got <laughs> I got a, the decaf one um, and everyone was absolutely uh, floored at, I, I think I had five or six spoonfuls of sugar in there so that it was like, you know, palatable oh, to drink. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I was like, yum. Wow. <laughs> After. So, yeah. But uh, if they've got like a little brownie or something or a cookie mm. at the coffee shop, I, I want that for sure. Yum. And my name is Casey Wall. I'm a 26-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and collecting plants. You can follow me on Twitter, Serialized, and Letterboxd at Casey Watches TV. Please go do that. I love those platforms. <laughs> my coffee shop order, going into any coffee shop, like to be safe, like if it's a place I'm going for the first time and I don't know how their coffee is, I'll probably get like an iced vanilla latte with oat milk. I feel like there's mm -hmm. little room for error there. But I'm definitely a girl who loves her seasonal beverages, mm -hmm. such as a pumpkin spice latte, a peppermint mocha. Right now I'm into anything coconut. I'm drinking a coconut iced coffee right now. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah I always like to try, like if I go to a place and they have like a funky, weird, like specialty latte, I'm always down to try one of those, like a lavender latte or a something something, you know, mm. I, li I like to be experimental. I love that for you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and this episode, our guest is Angela. Hello. Hello. My name is Angela. I'm a 29-year-old European affairs expert. I'm Italian, but I live in Belgium. And I like irony and spotting Broadway and West End actors on TV. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Incredible. <laughs> um, so I used to say only Broadway, but uh, but now yeah. I added West End because you know I need to, I need to bring in the European flavor to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> add a little European spice to it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. So I believe you've been on twice before, but do you want to just remind everybody what your relationship is with the show um, if, if they've forgotten? Yeah, so to be very brief, because I think Robin has listened to this way too many times now. But, <laughs> uh, but basically, I started listening to your podcast before I ever watched an episode of Lost, oh. which was a very interesting uh, experience. Uh, but I found it very soothing. And then I realized that I couldn't follow the plot because even if you were doing recaps, I, I had no idea who was 
Yeah. So I started watching the sh- watching the show, and at the time I was writing my first master thesis, which was um, long, and mm-hmm. it helped me go through that. So yeah. that's my relationship with it. I definitely feel like the show often like comes to you at the perfect time in your life. Fully. Exactly when you need it. Yeah. 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 And who are some of your favorite characters? My favorite character is Ben, so I'm very excited about today. Relevant. Yes, <laughs> relevant. And then uh, I think it depends. Every rewatch I have someone that, that pops mm-hmm. up. I was trying to draw up a list of like top five and I got Said, Juliet, Jean, Sun, Farday and Rose, which is not five, but yeah. I would say... <laughs> Since they're not always at the core of an episode, whoever is at the core of the episode among those tends to be my favorite. Apart from that. I love that. It's always there. That's it. And then if anyone wants to follow you, where would they go? And you can go mostly on Twitter at IRL Writers Block. But we know how Twitter is right now. So... uh, Oh my God. Let's say that I still have the account, uh, (laughs) but I don't scroll (laughs) that much. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I also have a letterbox, but I don't remember what my name is there. So you can uh, try to contact me there on Twitter. This is coming out months later. I'm like, how? What's what's Twitter even gonna look like when this exactly. episode comes out? I don't even know. Either Honestly, way, go to that Twitter, and then there will be a tweet there that tells you where else to go. Exactly. For all of our sakes, yeah. I hope Twitter has just imploded finally. Yeah. I think it needs. Be- Not me. I have so many memories on that I thing. I know. It made me so sad. But it was down for literally Ugh. like three hours yesterday and I was like, I have no clue what to do with myself. This yeah. is a problem. Yeah, and, and for me it's also because I know some people just through Twitter. Yes, yeah. exactly. But but at the same time, uh <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. I know there are some people who have like episodes reserved of this podcast who I only have their Twitter because I only talked to them a couple times when they wanted to reserve the episode. And I'm like, oh, no, if Twitter goes down, how do I get a hold of them? You know, do I have like, I don't. Oh, no. Anyway, I if you're one of those people, DM Robin right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Please get a hold of me with your email address. Yeah, <laughs> I did check. I mean, to be to be fair, I did check if I had my email somewhere or uh, your email somewhere because I was thinking, yeah. oh, what if something happens with twitter that would be so terrible and then i completely cut off the aficionados well you can reach me through 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 patreon but uh but otherwise yeah and then what would you get at a coffee shop Uh uh-huh so uh what i would normally get depends on which coffee shop we're talking about but Mm -hmm. if it's an italian coffee shop i will go with a short espresso Uh, if it's not i i choose whatever looks fun Mm -hmm. and if not uh i'm a tea drinker in disguise so i will get a green tea Mm. i love the way you say espresso because in in the economist earlier this season um saeed said espresso and it was a huge ick it was very gross (laughs) so terrible saeed's worst moment by far exactly we were all we're like ew oh no murder totally fine saying espresso (laughs) wrong with an x no no also, it's, hard x no thanks it's, it's not even okay <laughs> like it's not even spelled like that it's okay i we like him so it's fine but still <laughs> he gets a pass exactly still. yeah exactly a black coffee at that you point. can hand in some of your brownie points to have done that <laughs> oh well 
Today we have words to say about episode 409 of Lost, The Shape of Things to Come. <laughs> oh boy. So The Shape of Things to Come is the name of a book by H.G. Wells. It was written in the form of a history book from the future, which sounds really dope. I feel like I need to eventually go and like read all the books that have Lost episodes named after them because I'm like still going to eventually go back and watch or and, uh, and read Catch-22. So I'm like, this one also mm. sounds really cool. One of the novel's main settings is Iraq, specifically the city of Basra, which is at the center of a world state emergency after a collapse of civilization and becomes, in effect, the capital of the entire world, which is very cool. And this sort of reminds me um, last season uh, when Sawyer and Saeed like went and followed Juliet after Claire got sick in that one episode. Mm. And Juliet like turned around and was like, why are you guys acting like you're so righteous? One of the things she said to Saeed was, do you know what, ha do they know what happened in Basra? And we never mm. learn about what actually happened in Basra. But yeah, that's of course what this reminded me of because that's when they bring it up on the show. Um, and the flash forwards take place in mostly Iraq. So um, yeah, relevant and cool. Great. Uh, the broadcast date was April 24th, 2008. So it was about a month break from the last episode due to the writer's strike. Um, it was written by Brian K. Vaughn and Drew Goddard, and it was directed by our buddy Jack Bender, who I assume is still an okay guy uh, because Harold Perrineau continues to work with him. So great. Well, that's good. That's good to know. As for some fun facts about this episode, this is the first episode since Eggtown to feature Hurley saying dude, which is his catchphrase. That is a four episode hiatus of the catchphrase, which is the longest in the entire show. Wow. Four episodes since Hurley said dude. That not that crazy? Oh my, is he okay? <laughs> I know, right? I hope so. Someone like him. Sounds weird as well. Yeah. So anyway, this is the first episode to have a flash forward from, from the perspective of someone who was not on the plane and the first of two from the perspective of a non-oceanic member. We have another one, but it's a later, so it's a spoiler. This was the first episode of Lost to feature footage filmed outside of the United States. Um, the London scene between Ben and Charles Widmore was filmed in London because uh, Alan Dale was performing on stage in the West End production of Spamalot during filming of the second block of season four, which of course Angela noticed because he is a West End uh, actor on film. The next occasion was four episodes later in There's No Place Like Home Part 3. I don't think that's a spoiler that Charles Widmore might be in another scene this season. <laughs> Both scenes were filmed during the same trip by the film crew. Okay. Omar appears, but he's played by a stand-in and not the usual actor. This episode was originally rumored to be titled Bakir and not The Shape of Things to Come. Bakir, of course, being the last name of the guy who killed Nadia in the flash forwards. But it's not called that. It's called The Shape of Things to Come. I think that is such so, yeah. a better title. I agree. Yes. Like, this episode really is, like, a look into the shape of things to come. Like, I feel like it fundamentally yeah. changes the entire rest of the show, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And it keeps you guessing as well as the episode goes because you know the title of the episode from the start. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you can guess that what you're seeing of Ben is a flash forward but uh -huh. you cannot know precisely which things to come we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's only until the, at the end that's uh -huh. it's really good. It's helpful. It's something that I... It's crazy to think that Riverdale's going to be over by the time that this comes out, but... <laughs> Finally. Riverdale always did... Uh, almost always their title was like a movie or a TV show. And I really liked that because then before the episode even came out, you could sort of like guess and like look at what that episode was about based on what the title was from. And so it's nice to get 
The Shape of Things to Come, instead of Bakir, it's like, I don't know what to look up. The Shape of Things to Come is a book, so I can go and look and see what the book is about mm -hmm. to try and gain insights ahead of time. And that's always fun. Totally. So yeah, we have a smaller beach storyline, then all the stuff that happens in Dharmaville, and then, uh, of course, the flash forwards. So we're going to start with the beach storyline, which I summarized. Kate washes herself up and joins Jack as he takes some medication for a stomach bug. Yeah, something's bugging his stomach, all right. Jack says he feels really confident that they're going to be rescued. Bernard yells from the water. They run out and see that a body has washed ashore. Dan identifies it as Ray, the doctor. Later, Jack asks Dan if he's fixed the phone. He hasn't, so Jack accuses him of lying and being unhelpful. Bernard wants to make the phone into a telegraph, but Dan needs more material, so he and Kate go to find some. That night, they connect the telegraph to the phone. Dan sends out a Morse code message about the doctor and says the message back is hopeful and friendly. But Bernard knows Morse code, and they actually said, what the hell are you talking about? The doctor is fine. Jack is pissed and demands to know if they were ever going to save them, and Dan regretfully says no. Jack is going to do some more angry yelling, but he has a sharp pain in his abdomen and is unable to chat. Ooh, I feel like a lot of this storyline is just foreshadowing for next episode. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Which is fine. They did a lot of that in like season two, I think, I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it serves also to keep the mystery of who Faraday is or why he's there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kate's having like a weird little bath and she waves <laughs> to Jack. It makes me so uncomfy. Who has... It makes me so uncomfy. <laughs> this whole scene makes me so uncomfy. It's, I'm just like, it's crazy how I'm like, this is your main couple and they're so awkward. <laughs> Extremely. In every scene of them like weirdly flirting, I'm like... Extremely. Uh, I mean, ugh, it made me so uncomfy. <laughs> it's terrible. Did not like the first. The first uh, thought that I wrote down today was, mm -hmm. I cannot care about the Jack Kate of it all. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, this is this is the sort of first thought that I need to share today. Uh, because yeah. this, this weird <laughs> this weird bath with Jack and that sort of smiles of it. Ugh. No, guys. No. It's so icky. Yeah. It's terrible. Listen, for the Jade people out there, there's some stuff. Sure. It, uh, especially next episode. Yes. There's stuff. Like, you've got stuff. But there's also some of this stuff. <laughs> this is not the stuff. You know, like, there's romance. They've got some. But this, but there's also some of this. Yeah, this. Ugh. And it's rough. Yeah. yeah, and and this is and, not the stuff. Yes. Like, and, and uh, uh, weirdly, in this episode, I uh, they're they're really trying to push for it, and yeah. to the point of making it awkward. But but it's it's yeah. really um, it's it's very insistent. I found also in the way it's uh, it's shot. Uh, this, this sort of yeah. insistent of looking at Jack and then Kate, Jack and then Kate. yeah, it's it's too forced. And like, I think you can argue pretty much any ship on this show yeah because like the actors just have such great chemistry together like you mm -hmm. can argue jack and kate absolutely but when the show tries way too hard to like push it on you that's when i'm just like yeah. no no you don't need to do that your actors <laughs> will do that for you you don't <laughs> You don't need to do this uncomfortable bath thing. One of the things that Sam used to say, I'm sure she still says, uh, that always stuck with me was, I could, I can be convinced of any ship with a good fan edit. Oh my god, yes. so true. And I'm like, that is so true. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. Every time that Evangeline Lilly shows up and talks about how she like thought her performance in Lost was bad, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what? Because I think she did a great job in most of these. And I'm like, I wonder if she's only remembering <laughs> scenes like this. Yeah, in that you know? case, I totally get it. But no, the yeah. stuff where, like, she's not being... Like, just the stuff that isn't forced, she's really yeah. good at. Like, the stuff where she can be authentic. But this, like... Uh, uh, 
I can only imagine what the script direction was like. Yeah. What is that? What is that? It's yucky. So Jack has this suitcase full of medication and she goes, do you have a prescription for that? Ha ha ha. And Jack goes, yeah, I I wrote it for myself. And you know, you're like, ha ha. Playful banter is not playful (laughs) if it's this forced. It's just banter. Except yikes, because that's exactly what he did in the flash forwards in the season three finale, right? So we know that's in his future. She says that he looks terrible and he says thanks, which is also uh, the season three finale flash forward, which is crazy to think that that happened after this. So like, I wonder if that moment, wait, oh my God. I wonder if that moment in the flash forwards when she like goes to see him at the airport and she says, you look terrible. And he says, thanks. Is their inside joke back to this moment? Oh, possibly. It must be. I, I think this is what, yeah, this is what, probably the writers want us to think yeah because what i have okay uh so before this podcast i rewatched some season four episodes the ones right before this one Mm -hmm. and what i felt a lot was that they were trying to make us forget skate oh yeah 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 and they were trying to show in how many ways how many more ways jack and kate are connected so Mm -hmm. they might have been thinking tinkering with the script a bit to make it look like which is so weird yeah because jack and juliet just kissed mm-hmm. make make up your mind yes but also spoilers <laughs> yeah that's what's so confusing too pick one what do you want yeah yeah but also okay uh, then spoiler thought for later about this because okay. i was also thinking about it. yeah write it down don't forget it yeah i'll put a post it on So Jack takes some antibiotics and he says he has a stomach bug. Mm -hmm. Now listen, he definitely has a problem with his stomach. We, I'm not going to say what it is because that's for next episode, but he definitely is having issues, clearly. So she tells him to eat some crackers (laughs) and they laugh and think it's so funny that- Why? He's supposed to eat crackers? Why? That's- She's like, here's some- That's not cute. That's not funny. That's just- That's a statement. I'm like, that's actually just some advice. Like- Ugh. Made me so uncomfortable. What? I feel like Jack is like, yeah, I'm a doctor. It makes sense that that makes you feel better because they like soak up the liquid in your stomach or like whatever and make it less gurgly. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Imagine having stomach issues on a deserted island. Oh. Like it's- I still- I still think about how periods work there. And I know that they didn't... Mm, They don't because gross men wrote this show. Yeah, they don't talk about it because, you know... No, because how how would they? Why would they? Right, like, and I get that, you know, back in the early 2000s, and I'm not making a statement of, it was the early 2000s, because as we have discussed, that is not a an excuse that we're making anymore. But I can definitely see them being like, in a less woke society putting that in a show like this that everybody's watching all the water cooler banter is going to be all about that Mm -hmm. and about how gross and bad it was and how they shouldn't have done that instead of talking about their actual show you know what i mean yeah yeah i remember watching the wilds for the first time which yeah great show it's lost but with all teenage girls and it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. um and got canceled way too soon because of course it did because this is of course uh to to 2020s of canceling shows yep and it's about women so yes but it's about women on a deserted island and guess what they get their periods and they talk about it Mm -hmm. because um that would happen yeah crazy crazy i was shook i was like oh this is so realistic (laughs) unbelievable yeah and with all the talk there is about maternity and health matters and yeah no one Mm -hmm. really mentions at any point the fact that it's not yeah uh, that's so true having having a pregnancy exactly like the island is entirely centered on like (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. On pregnancies, but it's not centered around anything else that surrounds pregnancies. Yeah, we're not going to talk about yeah. women's bodies in any other way. <laughs> so it's very... Uh, it's a choice. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I think that the only thing that we've got, like at the end of um, Eggtown, where Kate was like, "I'm worried I'm pregnant," and then at the end she was like, "I'm definitely not pregnant." I was like, "So are we implying that she got her period?" I would I think so. so. Yeah. Right. I guess. But that's it. I like that's the only memory I have of them ever even being close to talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like I feel like if I was Claire, I'd be like, "Man, I finally got my period again. I'm pissed," and I would tell everybody about how mad and. <laughs> I got she would spend days complaining. <laughs> How mad I was. Exactly. Uh, so on Lost PD, it said the pill bottle opened by Jack says amoxicillin, which is a common antibiotic. So that is what he's taking. And he's talked about amoxicillin before. If, yeah. you know, in season one, he like name dropped a lot of different drugs, like asking people to like go through people's bags looking for different antibiotics and stuff. So it's possible that that was when he talked about it. But I do remember him talking about it before. Kate says, why haven't they come back? And Jack says, they're probably just trying to fix the engine. On Lost PD, it said Jack tells Kate that Saeed had informed him that the freighter's engine was down. The camp's satellite phone had broken before Saeed learned this information, therefore he could not have communicated it to them. Uh, So that is a bit of an oops there. It's okay. Mm. Kate says, are you not worried? Jack says, nope, I can tell we're leaving. I can feel it in my soul, which is why it's very embarrassing later when when Dan says, we're not taking you off this island. (laughs) Yikes. It's humiliating. (laughs) And so I'm like, yeah, some of you are leaving. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, Jack and Kate do leave. You know, they do. So yes. there you go. But Jack is yeah. not at his best anyway, this episode. That's true. I mean, he, he makes he makes a lot of dumb choices throughout the mm-hmm. series, but he's um, at a moment of self-medicating with antibiotics out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where his head is at as well. So Yeah. Okay. So we hear Vincent barking, Bernard shouting for help, and everybody like, you know, shows up and is a body with a slashed throat, and it's Ray the doctor. Oh no. My new favorite character. I miss him already. I'm can't believe sorry. they're really burying their gaze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they do be doing that. <laughs> Context, Angela. <laughs> Context, Angela. A couple episodes ago, we decided that uh, uh, Ray was secretly in love with the captain. So that's where that came from. Gay Ray. Gay Ray. Gay Ray. But this is what I assumed, guys. I mean, I didn't know who you were pairing him up with. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you need to find your gay ships in this show. Otherwise, the exactly. show is not going to produce them for you. So Exactly. Can't believe they killed Ray. <laughs> After killing Friendly and everything, too. Like, that's really screwed up, you guys. I feel like I, I- Ray and Dr. Curdle Jr. would be really good friends. <laughs> In fact, from Riverdale, boyfriend. Oh my god, I love that for them. Or maybe Doctor Curdle. I don't know if Doctor Curdle Junior is too young for him. I don't know. Oh, maybe gay men do what they want. Eh, whatever. If, if there's anything gay men have, it's the audacity. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Can I just say that mm-hmm. because you were just mentioning that the doctor arrives and his throat is lit, and the camera pans out and then focuses right after precisely on the throat that is lit, and then mm-hmm. after two minutes, Jack goes. <laughs> That was so funny. Okay. Thanks, bud. Thank you, Captain Omnius. We had noticed. But okay. Like, could not have a more obvious cause of death injury. (laughs) Washes up on shore. I could oh my god. Doctor, move everyone out of the way. I gotta determine his cause of death. Well, looks like his throat was slipped. 
My friend Dan is standing right there, and he is a, like, scientist, mathematician, and I just know that he's, like, looking down at Jack and being like, yeah. No shit, stupid. Yeah. I'm not gonna say anything about it, because I'm scared of you, but, um... But you really do be dumb sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, like we said, Jack is looking at Ray, and I love them, because they're both doctors, and, you know, they probably both went to medical school. I don't know about Ray. Actually, he's on a sketchy freighter, but... Yeah, who knows? Whatever. I do like how um when like jack asks like who he is dan says he was our doctor and Mm -hmm. there's kind of this like one singular moment where jack is like that's what my people call me am am i gonna die yeah (laughs) doctor solidarity he was our doctor and he (laughs) oh my god (laughs) he's like dan's like he was our doctor and jack's like people can kill doctors (laughs) (laughs) wait are you telling me doctors die that's not supposed to happen. Stop! That's really scary. Yeah, they're supposed to be kept safe. <laughs> yeah. But no. I mean, Jack endangers himself all the time. But Yes. Uh, but it's him. He thinks he's invincible. Jack's like, wait, I'm not the only doctor? <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Again, spoilers for... for <laughs> For later this season. Ethan standing in the background. Juliet standing in the background. (laughs) So Jack is like, "Uh, what do you think, Dan? And he's like, I don't know. He was fine last time I saw him. So probably this happened after that. I don't know. (laughs) So Jack goes, when was that? And and Dan goes, that's kind of wibbly wobbly right now. And Jack's face makes me laugh so much. He's so (laughs) annoyed. He's like, how is when a relative term? What are you talking about? When? Just tell me when! He's so done. I, I am very sorry for everyone who supports Jack or his relationships or anything for this episode, but honestly, this guy has no imagination. On a, <laughs> it's true. On a magical island at some point. Something weird's gonna happen, bud. Yeah, like, to oh, be right. fair, super sick, probably distracted, probably yeah. got like a little swimmy head, but Jack, come on, man. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte's like, we don't know. Can you just keep us out of this? Juliet asks, have you fixed the phone? And Dan goes, no, it got smashed. We could probably only do like beeps and boops. Okay, here's what I got. Really unclear how this phone broke. If I had to guess, I would say it was in the Juliet and Charlotte fight in the other woman. Mm-hmm. We literally, we see them with the phone just fine in the other woman. And then by Ji-yun, Dan has taken it apart hmm. to try and I guess fix it. So we didn't see it get broken. Hmm. But that's the only time that I think it makes sense for the phone to have broken. Hmm. Because now they're just stating that it's broken. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that's huh. what I have to offer you. <laughs> okay. I think this phone was thrown around a couple of times. Yeah. Because well. uh, he says like, no, it got smashed. And I'm like, I, I rewatched the fight in hmm. the other woman for this smashed phone and I didn't see it. So. I mean, we can be uh, also very practical about this. Maybe there were mm-hmm. scenes that were cut in the end because of. Yes. Oh, absolutely. How this season was. Um, well, because of the issues they had with script. Yeah. This season. So probably they had to film additional material that then couldn't make it into the episode and they had to yeah. cut the plot and make it make sense and so we lost the part about the phone getting smashed or they just forgot right? yeah and you know what they're telling me the phone was smashed which means it's canon that the phone got smashed so i'm sure the phone got smashed at some point <laughs> so bernard says can we just make it a telegraph and dan says yeah but we would need more materials for that probably um kate says we have some stuff so she goes and takes them to look and jack asks to talk to bernard so i guess like it's sort of jack and Bernard's plan later that Bernard doesn't say that he can, that he knows Morse code, right? So that they can see if Dan was going to lie or not. 
Oh. Did we know that Ben uh, that Bernard knew Morse code? We did not know before now. Um, let's see. Did I write anything about that? But I guess, but I guess Jack wants to when when um, uh, when the when the Tailies joined, uh, he told uh-huh. all of them even separately to understand what they could do. Yeah, yeah. How he could use them. So maybe if there's someone who who knows, that's probably Jack. It would make sense. Yeah. So almost the whole rest of the episode happens. And uh, at night, Dan made the telegraph because uh, he's such a little smart guy. And it was working. Uh, Dan sends what happened to the doctor. And a reply comes. And he says, uh, they didn't say what happened to the doctor. <laughs> Dan's like, I wouldn't even know how to begin to try and explain that. So I'm just going to say that they didn't say. But your friends are fine and the helicopter will be back tomorrow. Hmm. And I'm like, I got bad news, Dan. The helicopter is already back. Mm-hmm. It's already back and bad things happened. Okay. So Bernard goes, uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> they said, what are you talking about? The doctor is fine. And this is awesome. First of all, so Dan sa- Dan's like, oh, crap, you knew Morse code. And it's like, yeah, it was Bernard's idea to make the telegraph. It is such yeah. a good moment. It's such a good moment. And it's really cool because then, like, you know, all this stuff happens and it completely mm-hmm. overshadows the message mm-hmm. back, which is, what are you talking about? The doctor is fine, which is horrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the least of our concerns right now. <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy. Like, we completely breeze past it just to talk about it. I don't know. I think maybe next episode or the episode after. And it's just, it's a crazy moment that you're like, wait, wait, wait. Can we go back? Can we go back to what you just said, though? Like, I'm sorry. What? But also, uh, now, at this point in, in the season, we, as uh, as audience, we have watched The Constant. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we know that there are some weird uh, yeah. time-traveling things happening oh, on the yeah. boat, mm-hmm. at least. No one on the island knows, I mm-hmm. think. So it, it also... Yeah. Uh, gives a hint of the fact that weird things are happening that they're not aware of. Also, Faraday, I love you, but why making up all these things about the helicopter coming? Just say that they don't know about the doctor or something. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. Know. He is such a terrible liar. It's like, dude, just tell the truth. Yeah. Well, he keeps being like, I, I'm i just going to say something that's, so they'll stop yelling at me and stop looking at me like I'm supposed to do something. Oh, yeah. Just like vague enough. Mm-hmm. But it makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. But because he knows what we know, which is that weird things are happening on the island, on, on the boat, sorry. Mm-hmm. Because he met Desmond in the past. So yeah. He knows that all of this happened. I'm so impressed with anybody who knows how to read morse code i'm like first of all how do you freaking remember that oh my god i know and it happens so fast yeah it happens so fast i'm like how do you even read that i i can't even imagine knowing how to do that so jack goes uh why are you lying and he starts like roughing him up and kate tries to stop him because she's like please i spent all day looking through wreckage with him he's just a little guy jack He's just a little guy. Be nice to him. He's just tiny. And Jack says, were you ever going to rescue us? And Dan just goes like, no, sorry. And the music is really great. Jakina does a great job with the music. Mm -hmm. And Jack is like, looks like he's almost going to cry. And you're like, oh, he's really sad about it. But I think it's because he's in so much pain uh, because of his stomach bug. Probably that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They didn't exactly say what happened to the doctor, but friends are fine and helicopters coming back in. In the morning. Well, he's lying. What the message said was, what are you talking about? The doctor is fine. You know Morse code. What does that mean? The doctor is fine. I don't know. 
Why are you lying? Why did you say that the helicopters are coming back? Jack! Were you ever going to take us off this island? No. And that's that storyline. Did you guys want to mention anything else before we go into the absolutely heartbreaking barracks storyline? I think so. Um, I just made up my own award that I wanted to give Bernard, which is most uh-huh. unexpected badass. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Great. I wanna see I wanna see Casey give out a random award every episode now. <laughs> oh, incredible. Just a completely different award every time. Different award every time. I love that. Yeah. All right, this is my summary for the barracks storyline. Hurley, Sawyer, and Locke play a really intense game of Risk. Alex, meanwhile, is being carted around by the mercenaries. They have her enter the code to turn off the sonar fence. Once she does, Locke gets a phone call saying, Code 14J. They go to Ben's new house and ask him about it. Ben freaks out and says someone's been captured and the dudes are here. They're going to fortify Ben's former house, but Sawyer needs to get Claire first. They barricade inside the house while Sawyer goes. Ben doesn't plan to let him back in. Sawyer witnesses the mercenaries kill all of the other randoms that came with Locke and blow up Claire's house, but he somehow survives. In the house, Ben tells Locke that Hurley is important because he can find the cabin. Sawyer finds Claire alive in the wreckage, but once he gets back to the house, they won't let him in. Hurley throws a piece of furniture through the window so Sawyer and Claire can enter. Miles rings the doorbell and gives him a walkie-talkie to talk to Kimi. Ben doesn't want to talk, but Miles tells him about Alex. Ben talks to Kimi, who wants Ben to come out and be a prisoner. Ben's not into it and tells Kimi his whole life story as an intimidation tactic. Kimi gives Alex the walkie and she pleads to Ben to help her. He tells Kimi that she's not his daughter and he can kill her if he wants to because he doesn't care. Kimi, going completely against what Ben expected, kills Alex. Ben is stunned. Kimi retreats and leaves Alex there. Ben is enraged that the rules have been changed. He goes into his secret room, into another secret room. He locked the door behind him, so Sawyer tries to get in, but Ben comes back and tells them that they need to run. The smoke monster appears and absolutely bodies the mercenaries. Everyone runs, but Ben goes to say goodbye to Alex. In the jungle, Sawyer says he's going back to the beach and Claire, Aaron, Miles, and Hurley are going with. Locke refuses to let Hurley go since they need him. Sawyer is really pissed and doesn't want Hurley to stay, but Hurley doesn't want anyone to get hurt, so he agrees to go with Locke and Ben. The group splits. Ugh, I hurt. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right, here we go. So Hurley, Sawyer, and Locke are playing their game, and it's awesome. I love this part, because it looks like they're making this very important decision. You know, the calm down chicken little line is an absolutely iconic line that I always remember. <laughs> it's, like, probably one of my favorite lines of the whole show, and, um... If you're not familiar with Chicken Little, it refers to the old fable about a chicken who believes the sky is falling, indicating a belief in imminent disaster. Wait, I'm confused now. What? Was Disney's Chicken Little not, like, the originating Chicken Little? Casey, no. Excuse me? Chicken Little is, like, an old fable. Like, it's it's an old, old story about no a chicken who thinks the sky is falling. No, that's the Disney movie. And then Disney made a movie. No, Disney made a movie. You think that the, the original Chicken Little had a bunch of aliens in it and stuff? Yes, because that's the movie. Nobody. No way. You're lying. If, I'm gonna Google Chicken Little right now, man. You're lying. I'm not. I'm not. Hold on, I'm Googling. <laughs> Casey's like, the original Chicken Little is Zach Braff. (gasps) Oh. There's a 1943 sort of film. An anti-Nazi film. 
Oh, I'm shook to my core. Oh my god. Showing the evils of mass hysteria. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, well, uh, my mind has just been blown. There you go, man. Oh my god. Casey! Robin! Did you think that Sawyer was referencing the 2005 (laughs) Disney film? Because, because Casey, that didn't come out yet. (laughs) Sawyer's never seen the movie. Casey, this takes place in 2004. Well, Robin, Robin, the episode is called The Shape of Things to Come. Uh-huh. So, Chicken Little is to come. <laughs> so he's talking about Chicken Little. <laughs> I'm crying. Casey, what happened here? <laughs> I thought he was talking about... Did you think Sawyer was talking about the Zach Braff 2005 movie? Yes! With the little chicken with the glasses. <laughs> I'm really sorry this happened to you. I'm crying. I'm really sorry. Wow. Um, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. I know he would love it. He would love that movie. I I think that now every time I watch this this episode, I'm going to remember this moment. Um, I hope you do. Yeah, I feel really, really thrilled. I hope my trauma entertains you. This is shocking. This is like Britney levels. I have to call Britney after this and tell her what's happening. <laughs> happen here um she's gonna cackle i know it you're gonna tell her she's gonna cackle and she's gonna say no yeah. way yeah I'd, I'd call her right now but i don't know if she's busy or not oh, um i'm crying anyway uh so okay well so i've been disillusioned they continue to play risk um hurley says he wants us to fight and we're just playing into his hopes and Locke says, let him do what he wants. And Sawyer attacks Siberia and it's revealed that they're just playing Risk, which is really great. I love when they do this. They It sort of reminds me of, um, I believe it was 109 when um, Jack and Michael were standing next to each other and were like, well, I don't know what to do. And then they like zoom out and it turns out they're just playing golf. Mm-hmm. I love when they do this. It's great. Good stuff. This show's a comedy. Uh, but right before absolute tragedy occurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good balance. And it's, and it's shocking also. You need both. You need both to have a good show. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's uh, it's shocking also because of that, because it makes you think, oh, okay, so it, it might be a fun episode. The tragedy right. is happening already on the beach mm-hmm. because we don't know how... Just a funsy episode, yeah. Yeah, For so far, we don't... At this point in the episode, we don't know what's going to happen on the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's all a bit, uh, okay, so maybe this is the fun part where they're playing Risk and, and they're chill and there's Aaron there. Yeah. The dice that Sawyer rolls uh, is 663, which um, adds up to 15. Oh. Curly is playing while holding Aaron, which I love. Sawyer wins and... My, my oh my god this part is so good i love this scene i this line of hurley's right now is so loaded i love it and they immediately just move on to something else but hurley goes you're just giving up australia Australia's <gasps> the key to the whole game mm-hmm. the line is so loaded it's so good because obviously they all flew from australia and we all know all the reasons why they came from australia and stuff like that like oh it's so good i love that line You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I think about people who say lost is like too confusing to understand. And then Mm -hmm. they say lines like this. And I'm like, they literally just told told you. They just told you. They tell you in episode one, Mm -hmm. two sides. But they hide it. Two sides. One is light, (laughs) one is dark. They tell you the whole Uh show right there. Correct. They, They just hide it. You know, it makes it seem like it's just a regular conversation. So if you're not thinking about it, you miss it exactly mm-hmm. use your brain people mm-hmm. so alex is blindfolded and bound by the scary military freighter guys freaking kimi uh. and he forces her to her knees it's it's like 
it's gross and disgusting and it's supposed to feel gross and disgusting because it is gross and disgusting but like she's literally a 16 year old girl with all of these like scary adult men and ugh, it makes me feel gross all the time every yes. time it has to be so horrifying yeah yes. and, it, and, it, and i've seen it happen too many times on tv honestly on tv yeah absolutely yeah uh, so no no thank you <laughs> no <laughs> so, thanks. yeah no you can so, keep no. it yeah yeah no i mean they could have they could have made it a bit i mean the the mean thing is always a bit uh um yeah yeah oh the knee thing yeah yeah she could have been standing the guy is much taller than her anyway yeah uh, so uh, anyway. yeah so he makes her turn off the sonar fence with the keypad and she says please don't hurt them there's a baby there you know if they had Ugh. they could have blown up claire's house and if aaron had been in there like there's no way he would have made it you know Mm-hmm. I think it speaks so much to like Alex as a person that like that's mm-hmm. what she thinks about in this moment. Like yeah. she's being surrounded by these strange, terrifying men with guns, mm-hmm. and she's just like, "Please, whatever you do, like just don't harm this baby." Like, yeah. yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So Kimi threatens to kill her, and she puts in uh, the code that deactivates it, and the code is sixteen twenty three, and that of course is a special code that sends a phone call to Ben's house and so they're playing and the phone rings uh lock answers and it says code 14j and they're like oh must be for Ben so we head over to Ben's house currently so lock is living in Ben's house Incredible. and then the Ben is living in I don't know this is the house that Jack stayed in when he stayed there um because we saw Jack playing that same piano when they came mm-hmm. to try and, and come and get him back in season three um so unclear whose house this actually is but yeah he He's playing uh, the piano and he is playing uh, Sergei Rashmaninoff, uh, sure. his song Prelude in C-sharp minor. <sighs> I think I did okay at <laughs> pronouncing that. Yeah, that was great. Thanks. That was fine, yeah. So Locke comes in and he goes, hey, what's code 14J? And Ben <laughs> goes, um. Excuse? <laughs> what? Wait, What? where did you hear that? And Locke's like, phone. And Ben freaks out, understandably. He takes a shotgun out of the piano bench, which is hilarious. And Sawyer, like, thinks he's getting attacked for a second, but Ben, then, then ben hands the weapon to him, which is, like, a lovely moment of trust, to be honest, <laughs> uh, from Ben. And he says, let's go back to the other house. It's, like, easier to fortify uh, the men who we were scared of are finally here. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the line when Ben's like, how long were you guys deciding to tell me that the phone rang? Yeah. <laughs> He's like five, like five minutes. Like you didn't think that was unusual. This is a deserted island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did you think that was? He's like, why do we even have phones? So Sawyer goes, oh, 14J must not be very good. Like, I guess it's not like pizza or anything. And Ben's like, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But it's an early warning. It's a panic switch on the sonar fence, which means that someone has been captured and put that in. How long did you wait? And Locke says like five minutes and Ben's like, damn it. (laughs) There goes. That was our, that was our head start. So Sawyer wants to go and get Rousseau and Carl and Alex, which I think is really lovely and really sweet. And Ben says, that's fine. I sent them away yesterday, but he doesn't say where. And Sawyer's like, okay, well, the next person I was going to go see is Claire. So I'll go do that. Ben says, no time. And Sawyer is not just going to leave Claire in her house not knowing what's going on. Because I think she was, like, having a nap or something. That's why they had the baby, if I had to guess. Probably. Could be. Yeah. Ben tells John that it's very important for John to survive this. So to stay close to Ben, because they're not going to hurt Ben. So because they want to, like, bring him back alive. So Locke's best shot at living is being with Ben. I mean, I get it. But also, like, they want Ben alive. They don't 
care about this guy. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's, I guess that's why he's saying, like, that's your best shot. They're yeah. going to blow up all these houses except for mine. Mm. Yeah. True. Or something, you know. So Ben and Locke are barricading the doors and windows and Locke asks if Ben is scared of these people and Ben says, to be honest, yeah, which is like a big, a big admit from him, a big admission from him. Oh, yeah. And I think he's being honest. Yes. And and you see it, you see it in these scenes that Ben is not often scared Mm -hmm. and he fully is deceptive. Like you see his face, I don't know how Michael Emerson does it, but. He, you see his face completely change. He's so good. Yeah, because we've seen him, like, fiend fear before. We've seen him pretend to be afraid. But, like... Exactly. A- something about Michael Emerson's performance, like, in this episode, you can tell that, like, he- Ben is genuinely, like, frazzled. Yes. That this, mm-hmm. is, that this is it. It's not, it's not him trying to trick Locke or Sawyer or anyone else into it. But it's really happening. And... Uh, you see it also, I think, in the way, also the delivery of, of, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, of his cues. I mean, the, the fact that he refers to uh, Rousseau and uh, and Carl in passing, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I sent them away. But it, it's clear that you, you feel it, that his mind is somewhere else and he's trying to gather his thoughts and think about what he can do. And he's mm-hmm. pushing aside what he doesn't think is going to be an issue at the moment, which is why it's it's even more, it's even worse for us to know that they have Alex, right? Because yeah. we saw that Rousseau got killed, Carl got killed, Alex mm-hmm. is with them, and they have no clue. And it's the first time that Ben is actually scared. And mm-hmm. as an audience, if the main villain is scared, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you also start to reevaluate what you're watching. Because, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what's happening actually? Yeah. Well, that's like also what's so scary about like, you know, Ben is so certain all the time that all of his plans are always going to work. And then he finally has a plan not work this episode. And it is absolutely crushing and like crushing to his, to his, uh, mind even, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he, he's like, I'm supposed to be able to pull these off. Exactly. He always needs to be in control or finds a way to be in control and get the upper hand but when someone gets the upper hand on him it's like devastating to him Mm -hmm. like so disorienting and it's a really really like effective way for them to make him a little bit more human yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like all of the other seasons we've had of him he's been sort of like on some sort of pedestal and now he's finally like dude makes mistakes Mm-hmm. He makes mistakes and he makes miscalculations, which before it was never like that. You know, they were always like, Ben's a freaking prisoner. And they're like, he's exactly where he wants to be. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. Like he, you know, he is always in control. And now he's finally not in control. And that makes him for her, you know, to quote this show, one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, is this the second Ben episode, right? Because the first one is uh, the man behind the curtain. I believe that's true. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. And and it's it's heartbreaking also because you see it from the two perspectives. The first one mm-hmm. is very much about Ben as a son. Yeah. And this is him as a father. <gasps> oh yes, yes, dude. <gasps> Great point. Great point. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't even put that together. That's so true. And like, what I really love what both the man behind the curtain and this episode have in common is that their goal isn't to make you like Ben. Their goal mm-hmm. is to make you understand Ben. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, his actions are never justified. It's just, this is how a man became so enmeshed in grief and trauma and neglect that like he turned into Robot. like 
everything he despised and like shut mm-hmm. off his emotions completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. But hey, let's get to the sad stuff, shall we? (laughs) Oh, if we must. So Hurley still has Aaron and he's like, hey, what's happening? And they're still moving stuff. They're still barricading. And Hurley says, what about Sawyer? And Ben's like, can't help him now. He made his choice. He's not in this room. So (laughs) sorry. Mm -hmm. So Sawyer's like walking around trying to find Claire. And it's weird because he's like, have you seen Claire? And I'm like, um, maybe (laughs) he finds her in her house. Right. So (laughs) it's like, like, That's probably where she is, you know, so I thought that was funny. Maybe it's not from there, Sawyer, exactly. Like, maybe he's, like, maybe she's not in there, so he's wondering, like, hey, have you seen her? And if he says no, great, she's in her house or something. I don't know. But it, it's kind of goofy. So he's walking around. He sees this random guy. His name's Doug, okay? Name's Doug, was given a name just to die. Mm. So Doug goes, why? And also, why do you have a gun? <laughs> I don't know, Doug. Maybe I just have one because people are always trying to kill us. Is that weird, Doug? I guess. Is that weird? What do you mean? Okay. Anyway, so Sawyer says, go back inside. But then, uh uh-oh, we're getting attacked. Mm. Bye, Doug. The lost on location (laughs) for this episode was almost almost all about this. You know, when they're doing, like, stunts and stuff, it's usually about that. Doug goes down. R.I.P. Doug. Um, Sawyer goes, shoots into the trees, and the trees are shooting back. Personification. So this other woman comes out, and she also dies. And then this other dude comes out, and he also dies. It's, like, almost funny. (laughs) Where were these people? I, I feel like it was like sort of... We have not seen them. But also, I mean, it was like supposed to be comedy. I almost feel like it was like, Doug! Uh, but also, you... <gasps> Jennifer! Uh, <laughs> you know? Guys, you hear people shooting in your garden. Don't go out. <laughs> Why exactly. are you going out? Yeah, your instinct is to go outside. To go check it out. Why? Stay inside. Oh my God. So retro Uh, behavior like the number one thing that you're supposed to do if there's like for like in a first aid course when you are like being taught how to help people the number one thing you have to check is is it safe for you to go over there Mm it's so true and these people did not learn that no it's like you see someone lying in the middle of the street check for cars first before running into the street these people did not check for the cars so this, the original guy's name's Doug, and that, that second guy who comes out after the girl is named Jerome, okay? These are names that they were given. But hey, you'll never guess it. The woman didn't get get a name. Wow, that's really unusual wow. behavior. She just wasn't credited with what everyone else was. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's almost like the show was really weird about women for some reason. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, the funny thing is that one of them was literally wearing a red shirt, which was very fun. <laughs> Josh talked about how Josh playing Sawyer said he delivered his line to Doug with his eyes closed so that he didn't get fake blood in his eyes when it like sort of shot out at him from the squib. <laughs> but unfortunately, he forgot to close his mouth. So he ended up <laughs> eating a lot of it. Gross. I made a note that Sawyer looks down and he's just like, aw, not one of my only button ups. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not again. Never gonna get this out. So Sawyer somehow makes it, somehow, hiding behind stuff. Uh, Claire's house gets hit by a rocket and blows up. Sure. Yeah. In the Lost in Location, we see that it was Josh's stunt double who was, like, there running towards the blaze and not actually Josh. I know there's a lot of people on this show who, like, really like to do their own stunts, but there are some stunts that you need to let your double do. Yes, they're there for And this is one of them. He, like, had to, like, douse himself in that, like, in the, like, fire-resistant, like, like, it was a lot. Sawyer, like, screams for Claire, which is, like, you know, at this point, the audience is like, oh my god, Claire's dead. So, like, that scream is totally warranted. But also, like, knowing that Claire isn't dead, I, like, 
it gives me such a fuzzy warm feeling in my heart that Sawyer like cares so much about Claire. This is a great episode for Sawyer and like caring about the other survivors. It's wonderful. It really is. And like, it just made me think about how Claire has just always been like an exception for Sawyer. Like, yeah, she's never the butt of his joke. She's never like at the cost of his actions. Like, he just has always had like a warm fuzzy spot for her. And it makes me feel warm feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Although, let me just say, since we are being a little bit more... What's the word? Oh, it's very misogynistic, I feel. We're being a little bit more... Critical? Critical, exactly. Lately, these days. I did want to say that it really feels like Claire is a character for the other characters. Oh, yes. Like, Claire is meaningful for everybody else. Claire has... Her moments, you know, in her episodes, but they're always, it's almost, I said almost always, but I'm pretty sure it's just always about her baby. Oh, yeah. Very occasionally yeah. about Charlie. Yeah. But even when it's about Charlie, it's about her baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I feel like Claire is, like, not one-dimensional. There are no one-dimensional, well, I can't say that. There, uh, there are, m- main characters are not very often one-dimensional in this show. They do a very good job. But Claire is, like, on the list, on a very very low on the list of very fleshed out real characters to me because she's all about her baby and she's just there for other people sometimes I feel like oh yeah she she definitely suffers from uh I think misogynistic writing and the writers having no clue what to do with her after she had her baby and after Charlie died especially I think you can really see especially that I would say Especially after Charlie's yeah. Yeah, I think especially after Charlie's death, you can see that, like, they had no clue what to do with her. And, um, yeah. no spoilers, but it doesn't really get better. And, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Because I think she had so much potential, like, especially with her episodes in the first and second seasons. Like, she's so interesting. And there's so much potential for her outside of, like, who she is beyond motherhood and beyond, like, Charlie's love interest. Yeah. And they just didn't seem to care to explore that, which sucks. No, yeah. and, and at some point, yeah, and at some point her, okay, uh, maybe let's discuss this in spoilers, but her existence as well um, mm-hmm. seems to distract the key, the main characters from the key plot. So mm. also the fact that she was taking a nap now, she could have been playing Risk with them, honestly. Which, yeah. Which was, because... Okay, Great this point. is just to, to have a scene of Sawyer looking for her and showing that he has plot armor. That's literally it. Mm-hmm. There is no point for Sawyer to go out. We could have spent more time with Sawyer and Claire in the house as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point because like she could totally have been playing with them. But she's always tired. She's always tired. She needs a nap. She's a mom. Yeah. And it's... Ugh. She's sleeping. Oh my god, it reminds me of this whole, like, giant, um, complaint that we had during, uh, season four of The Hundred. Do you remember that? Every time, like, somebody wasn't in an episode, they were sleeping. They, t- they literally were like, oh, they're having a nap. Every single time in season oh four of The Hundred. If someone's not available, they're sleeping. <laughs> they're really tired today. But I think we had also, didn't we have scenes as well in season four of The Hundred of people sleeping or taking naps? Or- yeah, or something, yeah. Dreaming. I heard like, okay, sure. There was, I'm sure there was a Belark thing at some at some point. There was so much sleeping that season. <laughs> there was a lot of sleeping. But yeah. here it has, honestly, there is no point for her to be sleeping. She could be sleeping mm-hmm. in the same house. Because yeah. Aaron 
is never he's not really a fussy baby so it's not well she said that and everything too yeah yeah sleep at night claire (laughs) (laughs) exactly what is the issue there okay again spoiler thoughts but but yeah no but 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 it's clear that they just uh didn't know what to do with her after charlie died this Mm -hmm. is uh, 100 percent true yep and they had they had already this idea that kate that let's say uh Claire used to have a nice relationship with Kate until a certain mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And I think here already we're starting to see less of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They sort of, they do sort of eventually bring it back, but I definitely agree that it's it's at a dip right now. Yeah. And, and so it's it's as if they, they more and more, they realize that they don't really have much to do with her and they mm-hmm. bring her out only when it's relevant for the plot. See here, Sawyer who had to go wake her up. Yeah. Honestly, there's no point to do that. They could have, they could have invented something else for Sawyer to do. The, I don't know. He had to go push a button for Ben to open the door from the other side. There were a thousand things yeah. he could have done, but no. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. To be to be fair, and it is a very um, damsel in distress type thing that we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, they did not say she was sleeping. She was just lying down, probably because she got knocked. Wait. Oh my God. She got knocked out. That's mm-hmm. our knockout counter. Did that count as a knockout? I feel like it did, doesn't it? I would say so. Okay, I have to go change the knockout counter. Anyway, um, but, uh, you know, that's that's why I assumed she was sleeping. It is possible she was, I don't know, making a cup of coffee or something. But, yeah, yeah, I'm with you guys. But, okay, anyway. <laughs> on, uh, on Lostpedia, it said, Ironically, those survivors who followed Locke, opting to seek protection in fear of the freighter crew, are ultimately those who are attacked and or killed by them. Which hmm. is rough. That's a bummer. Yeah. So Hurley holds Aaron and he's crying. Probably because he saw his mom's house blow up. And Hurley watches the house blow up. And Locke is like, what is happening? And Ben is like, yeah, they're just trying to scare me into surrendering. Locke says they stopped shooting. And Hurley says, yo, Claire's house just blew up. <laughs> Locke tells Hurley to take the baby to a back room and Locke is like, why did you say that I need to survive this? Ben said, only Jacob can help us now and we need to, ha- we have to go to him together. And Locke's like, well, and this is a really great moment, very vulnerable moment from Locke because Locke knows that Ben knows that he's struggling. He can't yeah. find the cabin. He can't do anything. He doesn't know how to talk to Jacob. And now he's like finally able, now that they're like sort of both on the same side, he can be yeah. like, but what do I do, Ben? I can't even find the cabin. You know, it's just a really great moment of vulnerability. And then Ben's like, yeah, Hurley can. So he's going to help both of us, which is cool. Like these two who are so high above and are like, nobody needs my, or I I don't need help from anybody are like, Hurley will help us because neither of us can do this. And I have a spoiler thought about that as well. Perfect. So we see Sawyer searching for Claire in the wreckage and he finds her. She's alive. And Claire, heartbreaking, says, Charlie? Ouch. Big ouch. Sawyer goes, well, at least you're alive. So uh, let's go. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) But I also feel like Sawyer's like, okay, well, you know, he was shorter than me. You know, I I fill up my shirts a little bit better than him, but whatever. You think I look like that guy? (laughs) Okay. Uh, So he picks her up and she asks where Aaron is and he says he's okay. And they head back over to the house. Inside, Hurley makes a cradle for Aaron using a laundry basket and pillows. Uh, Sawyer yells to open the door and Hurley's going to go and open it. But Ben threatens to shoot him if he does. Sawyer's trying to kick the door down. Hurley does not care. He throws a piece of furniture through the window so that Sawyer can get in, which is like big hero moment from her- for Hurley. And I think it would have been so like dishonest to Hurley's character for him 
to just accept that. Mm. You know, it makes total sense to me that Hurley did that uh, rebellion mm-hmm. to to save Sawyer and Claire. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Fair enough. So Sawyer gives Claire to Hurley and he's able to get inside. Locke asks if she's okay and Sawyer says yes. They close the curtains and Sawyer says, why are these people like killing our friends? Like we don't even know what they want. How are we supposed to, you know, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Ben says, they're just trying to make you mad so that you want to give me up. And Sawyer's like, well, it's working. Maybe it's working. (laughs) Maybe I do would like to do that. I do would like to do. And then the doorbell rings, which I love. Hilarious. They're like, what? (laughs) Who's outside? It reminds me of that scene in Friends when the doorbell rings and they just, and Phoebe just like counts everybody. And she's like, no, this is everybody who could possibly be at the door. (laughs) That's everyone. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's no more. (laughs) It's time to be real. Oh, it is. Oh, great time. Everybody, if you want to be friends with us on Be Real, you should. Okay. I'm not Casey Watches TV on Be Real, just so you know. I'm Robin E. Jeffrey on Be Real. Shocker. Sorry if I look ugly in all the pictures that I post, but. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway. So, okay. So the doorbell rings and Ben is sort of like saved by the bell in that moment because Sawyer's like gonna, I don't know, punch him or something. Sawyer looks through the curtains. Uh, they quickly move stuff and they get Miles inside. And the way that he gets pulled in always makes me laugh. It's like the tiniest little crack in the door and they grab his shirt and sm- <laughs> try and like smash him in. I know that they like don't necessarily like trust him because they literally have guns to him. But I love that they, I think it's really sweet that they like, they let him in though, you know, like they let him in the house. Which, like, is meaningful to me. (laughs) So Miles said they let me go and they gave me this to talk to you. And he has a walkie-talkie. Yep. So Sawyer is sort of, like, patting Miles down to make sure he's not wearing a wire or something. Locke asks how many of them there are. And Miles says, like, six. He's, like, not 100% sure. Sawyer says, you're not sure. Like, you came here with them on that boat. And he's like, they said they were just security, like, to escort Ben back to the mainland. Hmm. And Ben's like, well, now they've seen me and they know that I'm here, Miles. It looks like I can't give you $3.2 million. Oh my God. Uh, Miles is like, whatever. So he gives, he tries to give him the walkie talkie. And Ben is like, that's funny. I'm not going to talk to them. And Miles says they have a hostage. Ben says, I don't care. All of my people are willing to die for this island. So it doesn't matter. And Miles goes, it's your daughter. And Ben goes, ah, damn. Yep. Uh, yep. Okay, sure. Yep. <laughs> I'll talk. <laughs> How many of them are there? Maybe six. I'm not sure. How do you mean you ain't sure? Came over in the same boat with them, didn't you? They told me they were just security. Security for what? For him. Once they got him to escort him back to the mainland. Well, Miles, sounds like you're not going to collect your $3.2 million. Just take it. Why would I talk to them? Because they have a hostage. Well, then they've badly miscalculated. Because every single one of my people is prepared to die in service to this island. It's your daughter. And I love this moment because it really feels like Miles, like, seems like he truly wants him to save her. Please, will you answer this? Like, I don't, Miles doesn't want her to die. Yeah, Yeah, I I think, I think he's, like, he wants to believe that Ben isn't the kind of person who would, like, just stand by and let his daughter die. Yeah. He's like, dude, please, please prove to me that, like, I shouldn't kill you right now. Yeah, and Miles has been, like, around, you know, like, he knows Alex. He's been in these meetings with her and everything. So, like, he doesn't, you know, he knows her. He doesn't want her to die. She's so young, too, like. Yeah, exactly. It's also the fact that if it had been someone else on the island, maybe he had cared less. Uh, yeah. But because it's yeah. her, she's sweet. She, she honestly, okay, she's Ben's daughter, but it's not as if she shares his uh, villainous ways. Uh, so, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I can get, I, I, I can under, uh, for me, it's less about Ben and more about the fact that, okay, it's your daughter, so please care about this, but mm-hmm. also it's your daughter who did nothing wrong. And just because she's your daughter. Exactly. She's innocent. She's, uh, she's been taken hostage. And we've seen her do so many good people things too. Like throughout mm-hmm. the whole show that we've seen her, we know that Alex is a good person who does good people things. She helped uh, get, she helped um, get Claire out before they were going to like take her baby. They, she helped um, Sawyer and Kate get out. Yes. Like Alex is a good person, you know? Yeah. So Kimi says on the walkie talkie that he is employed by Widmore and Sawyer goes, who's that? <laughs> and Locke goes, can I tell you this later, please? <laughs> Sawyer's like, last episode you said we had no more secrets and now there are secrets and I, I just wanted to say that you lied. Okay, Sawyer, shut up. <laughs> Sawyer, it's not really about you right now, man. <laughs> You're not relevant here. <laughs> so Kimi says, look out the east window so I can see you and he does and Kimi does this creepy little wave and if you watch The Lost on Location, it is revealed that uh, Kevin, who plays Kimi, um, it was his idea to do this little creepy wave and it's great. It is great. The guy who plays Kimi is so good. He's so good. He's so creepy, guys. He's so good. He's so creepy. He's so good at being a villain. He's so great. It's amazing. I love it. I mean, I hate Kimi, but the guy who plays Kimi does such a good job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I wouldn't hate Kimi as much if it was a bad actor. Right, yes. exactly. But I hate him so much because the actor's so good. I love, like, the close-ups that they do on Kimi in this scene are, like, very, very good because you can see all of the little, like, micro-movements that he's doing. That he's, like, you know, he's a he's a military person. He's been trained to be stoic mm-hmm. and uh, unmoving. And Ben gets to him just that little bit. And you can see it in the, like, micro-movements on his face. It's great. Yeah. So... Kimi says, Kate, here's the deal. You're going to be our prisoner and then we're not going to hurt anybody else in there. And Ben goes, uh, that's not true. <laughs> we both know you're going to just kill everybody here. So Kimi said, but I'm such a nice guy though. I'm so nice. Why would I go against that? I have a gun to your, <laughs> to your daughter's head, but I'm so cool and chill, right? Yeah. So Ben says, yeah, I know exactly what type of person you are. Martin Christopher Kimi. He's a former first sergeant United States Marine Corps, served with distinction 1996 to 2001. So on uh, Lostpedia, there were a couple points about this. Martin Kimi served in the United States Marine Corps, 1996 to 2001, the exact same time and length Desmond Hume served in the Royal Scots Regiment. Both men are associated with Charles Widmore. Weird. Then... The Second Congo War. Ben remarks that Martin Kimi became a mercenary after his time in the USMC, specifically in Uganda. The Second Congo War officially took place from 1998 to 2003, with Uganda opposing the Democratic Republic of the Congo. This conflict was most likely what Ben was referring to as Kimi came to the island in 2004. Um, So that is probably the war that Kimi was part of. So I have a complaint then against Ben. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if he knows the kind of person that Kimi is, which is someone who was a mercenary in Uganda, mm-hmm. which uh is famous for its child soldiers and like killing children, Ben fully knows that Kimi has absolutely no problem killing this girl right now. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there is. N- uh, he has no emotional attachment. He yeah. will absolutely do it. How is Ben? not doing everything in his power to try and save Alex right now. He should know Great point. that like with someone like Kimi, someone as, ugh, I always mix them up. What's the 
like sociopath versus psychopath like the person who like kills people but doesn't feel bad about it oh um sociopath maybe sociopath maybe i can't say i know that off the top of my head either i think it's a sociopath let me look it up because whatever that is kimi's definitely that one sociopaths tend to act more impulsively and erratically compared to psychopaths psychopaths generally struggle to form attachments sociopaths may be able to do so with a mind like-minded individual Mm, so a psychopath Um, probably is a lack of empathy a psychopath or a sociopath a personality structure often marked by a lack of empathy is a psychopathic personality yeah that one whatever that is he needs that and like Mm -hmm. if ben knows all this stuff about him if he knows what the kind of stuff that kimi has seen and like can assume the stuff he's done he's probably killed so many children why is this random girl any different i mean he has to know this whole time that like there's no way he can like like fight off kimi yeah you yeah. know yeah but mm-hmm. i think for me it's also it's less of that and the more the fact that ben is trying to think of a plan mm-hmm. mm. right now and he doesn't have one so he's trying to buy time because in the end kimi needs him mm. he needs to get him that's true and he can use i i mean i think ben's idea is that alex is not going to get killed right away because it would be, in in a way, it would be an anti-economical way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like you have a hostage that you can use to get Ben. Why would you kill her? You you lose the only yeah. thing that could drag Ben out. So I think this is what Ben is thinking. Okay, yes, he's for sure going to kill her as soon as he leaves the house. Mm-hmm. But as right. long as he stays inside she might be safe. Right. He's like, logic tells that he's not going to kill her. Yes, because... So here's what I'll do. Right. Exactly. Because there is no interest. And then Kimi goes against the logic. Exactly. And this is why he freaks (gasps) out. Plus... He says he changed the rules, right? So he was, like, certain that she wasn't going to die at all because it was, like, part of the rules that you, I don't know, don't kill each other's daughters or something, I guess? I, I, I have a whole a whole issue with this. He changed the rules, okay? Uh, where uh, in this episode, we find out that it was uh, Whitmore mm-hmm. that he was referring to. But yeah. to me, at this point in the episode, it's really unclear who he's talking yeah. about. And yeah, for, for a time, because I didn't remember where the episode was ending, I thought he was talking about Jacob. Mm. Oh, oh, interesting. And about the fact that there are there are rules in, in the way the island works. Uh-huh. And according to these rules, Ben is sort of a protected entity, not just person. Mm-hmm. So since... Alex belongs to him in a way, she should be protected as well. Yeah. And there, that of course can be, uh, you can put it on, on Widmore as well. I mean, Widmore was trying to get him. There's no point in destroying everything around Ben to get to him. He will just mm-hmm. escape. Yeah. And I feel like there's also like, you know, there was really no way for Ben to get out of this and, yes. uh, other than like walking out there. And so I feel like Ben was, like, just trying to grasp for straws for something that would maybe work. You know, Mm -hmm. that it's just, like, he's going through his Rolodex in his head of trying to figure out a plan, but nothing was actually going to work. So so he just tried to think of something that had the best odds, and it Yeah, and I think he's looking at Kimi as someone that has, in this specific case, no feelings, but thinks very practically. Mm -hmm. So why even kill the hostage? 
there's no there's no interest there yeah 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 oh i agree i think that he definitely sees kimi as somebody who would follow logic like that but then i think i don't know kimi gets mad or something right then he's mistaken of course then he's fully mistaken but Mm -hmm. but i think this is probably what he was thinking and why he did not react immediately by trying to save her yeah because i think that like kimi I think that Kimi is a logical guy, but I also think that he acts rashly yes. when, you know, faced with any type of emotion, you know? So I wonder if it was like, I think that maybe he was just frustrated because like, so here's what I see is that Kimi goes, I'm so nice. And then Ben says, here's your entire life story. Already Kimi's like, "K, strike one. First of all, strike one, you're not coming out here. St- strike two, you tell me my entire life story. Mm-hmm. And then strike three you tell me that my hostage isn't even worth anything like i feel like he's just mad and frustrated and so he's just like whatever i can get another hostage or like whatever you know what i mean yeah 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 exactly and then at, at, at that point he's like okay, okay fine that i i really have no use for her uh, yeah yeah i think the fact that like ben doesn't i mean you know kimi already knows like so much about ben like from widmore and what he's been told yeah but i think once he gets like face to face or window to face with Ben, <laughs> like once he interacts with Ben for the first time, I think he can very quickly sense that like, oh, Ben's not going to surrender. And yeah, I kind of think like after that, he kind of sees like, well, I guess this hostage is kind of pointless because clearly the way to get this guy isn't through emotional manipulation because mm-hmm. this isn't going to work. Yes, and I also feel like, you know, Ben says, like, they're killing these people to make you mad enough to to give me up. He says that to Sawyer, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder mm-hmm. if Kimi's like, okay, well, why don't I try this? I'm going to make you mad enough to want to come out here and punch me in the face. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't. Right? And see if that works, you know? Do you guys think that the, and I didn't pay enough attention, but is the window that Ben is looking out the window that Hurley broke to let Sawyer in? Huh. Because I, oh. I like the idea that they're not even looking at each other through glass. Like, they actually are sort of face-to-face. I I think hmm. there's glass. Yeah, there might be. I don't know. But I think that would be would have been interesting that they broke that window so that they could have this moment where there wasn't anything in between them. Yeah. Well, he was shouting as well. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I didn't yeah. check that. I guess they wouldn't have had to talk through the... Well, I was going to say, I, I guess they didn't have to talk through the, the walkie-talkies. They would have just had to yell really loud. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, you know, that's so that they're able to have sort of a quiet conversation during this really tense moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so Ben says, I know who you are. And Kimi goes, okay. So they bring out Alex. She gets push- pushed forward onto her knees. Uh, and Kimi says, Kate, well, if this isn't working, um, come out or I kill her. Yikes. And Ben says, can I please make an addendum? How about you just leave? <laughs> Good one. Okay, so then Kimi says, okay, let Alex talk. And he says, say goodbye to your dad, which is, Ugh. oh yeah. my God. So she tells Ben that Carl and Rousseau are already dead and that they will kill her. So a lot of the Lost in Location, like I said, was about that giant scene with all of the explosions and the shooting and stuff. Mm. But uh, a lot of the location was also about the emotional feelings of the characters and the actors in this scene. So Jack Bender said, Tanya did a brilliant job coming with all that emotion. And it's just one of those scenes where when the camera gets really close, you really need to see the panic in Alex's eyes and what it feels like for that girl to have that cold steel on the back of her neck and to beg her daddy to help her. And Tanya said, it takes a lot for Alex to call Ben dad because she feels like he wasn't really a father to her in many ways. But I feel like after witnessing her mother's death, Carl's death, that she was just completely devastated. 
And she needed him in that moment, you know? Oof. That's so true. I didn't even <sighs> think about the dad thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's devastating. I hate these guys. Yay. It sucks. Like, fully, fully a fridge, right? Fully. Yeah. Is it not? Like, so the definition of a fridge in, like, media is a usually female character getting killed for a usually male character's benefit. Mm -hmm. Or, like, not benefit, but, like, to further their story. To push their story, yeah. Yeah. You know, Robin, the great thing about this episode is that there's a double fridging. Yeah. (laughs) How great is that? So fun. No, I mean, I I have issues with Alex's death. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I don't really get the point of it. Okay, yeah. just that Kimi's a bad guy. Sure, we knew that. Mm-hmm. We could have done something else to figure out that he was a bad guy, yeah. Yeah, and, and also the fridging. Uh, no need. We already see that, that Ben is scared. We don't need to see yeah. this level of devastation. Okay, uh, it's connected to his uh, his big measuring contest with, uh, with Widmore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but that's it. But there's no point for her to die. And then, like, at the end of the episode, Ben's like, I'm going to threaten to fridge your daughter for your character development. <laughs> yes. So You know, like, it's... We could have found a way to humanize Ben more in just any other way than doing yes. this. Yeah. And this is an issue that I fully have with the script. And uh, I think otherwise everyone else did a great job. But... Mm-hmm. Why having this specific uh, thing? There are so many things that are wrong about it. The fact that, of course, I mean, wrong. It's 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 part of the plot, so it's not as if it's wrong. It's just mm-hmm. that there is no. Uh, what I was thinking is that well, there are other shows that would lean into this just for the sake of emotion, and yeah. Lost tends to not be that. So why even having this thing? I had completely forgotten before watching the episode. Uh, the mm-hmm. other day that it happened this episode because it yeah. was a thing that I had in the back of my mind oh yes at some point Horso dies and Carl dies and then Alex dies as well and I didn't remember that it was really one after the other so mm-hmm. yeah what is the point it's not even shock value here Russo's mm-hmm. death was shock value here yes okay it's additional it's added shock really for so that we can understand how Ben's mind works when he's under a lot of emotional stress or under a lot of experiencing a lot of emotions and under a lot of stress at the same time i don't really i don't think we really needed this to show that but um, and it's so explicit yeah like obviously we don't have like a slow motion bullet going into the brain thing the hundred but but it's still like and then and all the things that he says right before she dies like it is just blow after blow after blow yeah i think it's unnecessarily cruel like yeah yeah i can understand why they made the choice to kill alex here in terms of like i don't agree with it but in terms of kind of making this a turning point for ben and for the rest of the show like kind of really setting up the stakes there was no other character that was going to uh, be able to affect Ben like this. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's it. Is like. Yes. And you make the plot go much faster as well. Yeah. This yeah. really helps in, in pushing the plot forward. Yeah. 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 I just think I can understand the choice of like killing Alex here. I just think the manner of it is unnecessarily mm-hmm. cruel. Like, yeah. Showing the death, having the last things that Alex hears are her dad saying, 
she means nothing to me. Like, oh, ouch. Ouch. No thanks. And, like, way to make me feel like I've... She's been thinking that for, like, a year, at least. Yeah. She's been like, my dad doesn't actually love me or care about me at all. And then when she finally is like, maybe that was just me making that up because he does actually care about me. Mm-hmm. Then he confirms it with his own words. Yeah. Literally the last thing you hear before you die. That sucks. So, yeah. So she says, Dad, please help me. And Ben says, don't worry, I am going to figure this out. Which, of course, Kimi is like, hey, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what? You're not gonna. So he gives 10 seconds and he goes to nine and he never gets past eight. So he stops at eight. He says, she's not my actual daughter. I stole her as a baby. She means nothing to me. And... I'm I'm not leaving this house. Go ahead and kill her if you want. Oh my god. And that's the last thing she ever heard, you absolute freak. Such a mistake. Tell your daddy goodbye. Dad! You're serious? I killed Carl and my mother. Alex, I have this under control. Everything's gonna be okay. Please, daddy! Please, please. You have 10 seconds, Ben. Okay, listen. Nine. She's not my daughter. Eight. I stole her as a baby from an insane woman. She's a pawn, nothing more. She means nothing to me. (laughs) I'm not coming out of this house. So if you want to kill her, go ahead and do it. Like, I get that he's so rattled in this moment and he doesn't have a plan and he doesn't know what to do. But, uh, taunting Kimi, like saying, yeah, go ahead, do it. That is not the way to handle the situation, bud. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. uh, just for all... The ways Ben is so good at, like, pinpointing people's personalities and, like, kind of their next move. Uh, What an awful, horrible miscalculation of Kimi's entire character. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ben says, I know exactly what type of person you are. And, like, if that's true, that's... Then uh, 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 <laughs> you should know this is the last thing you should be doing. Then you yeah. should know that reverse psychology will not work on this man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ah, he's so freaking arrogant that he believes he can outsmart everyone. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Some people are crueler than you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what he doesn't expect. As for more pain, uh, Tanya also said, when she hears from Ben that he doesn't care about her and all that, I mean, she really believes it. And I guess after that, she's just waiting for it at that point. Uh, no, thank you. Uh. Put it back. Put it back. But you see, wouldn't it have been... Okay, yes, the plot would have taken much longer at that point. Yeah. If, if Alex yep. had not died. She had to die here. And they didn't have that type of time. This is the shortest season. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So she had to die here so that the rest yeah. of the plot could happen because there was way too much plot to, to deal mm-hmm. with afterwards. Yeah. But I can fully see an episode where... Kimi got upset because Ben said, oh, I actually don't care about her. And he just kicked her by the side and left. Yeah. And and then went back with, uh, with the rest of the militia or whatever to, to try mm-hmm. to just get into his house. Like, okay, you kill her. So what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, uh, we already 
have established that there's a battle of power between Ben and Widmore. Yeah. Why, why do we need to establish this is now a more serious battle? Oh, people have already been killed. Like, we, we know yeah. that, like, both of them are freaking psychotic killers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, y- you don't need to push it even further and, like, quote-unquote, break these rules that, like... <laughs> we've never had established like mm-hmm. <sighs> it sucks yeah and well we don't even know that it's about charles widmore until later mm-hmm. which is like yeah. if we did like it would make it so 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 clear that ben had lied to Locke about not knowing like, he was just like why like Locke was always asking like well why is widmore doing this like do we, mm-hmm. we even know him and ben was like i don't know no he just wants to come over yeah. here i don't know he just wants to own the island you know like ben it's so clear that ben like knows widmore on a cellular level you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and 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 i don't know what what ben also learns from this apart from the fact that in a way again because this is the episode we see that is a ben's episode following the one that is about his dad i mean he's just replicating what his dad did in in a different way but that's literally what he did he ended yeah. this his daughter's life by telling her that actually she meant nothing to him and Ugh. that's literally his oh my god whole life in reverse so yeah exactly because ben always thought that his dad didn't care about him at all yeah and now so, this yeah he never wanted alex to feel the way that he felt yes Ugh. and yet yeah so from a character perspective this is hateful uh from a yeah. plot perspective I get it in terms of how do you say it? Plot economy. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They had they had a number of episodes to go through. They didn't have enough time to have a heart to heart. Alex Ben explaining that actually no, it's not. Is if I I don't care about you and they hug and they make up. This was not going to yeah. happen. So oh well. Yeah. Yeah. It just it did not need to be as cruel and Fully. awful as it was. Like it could have just been like. Like, maybe this moment of realization where Ben realizes there's absolutely nothing he can do to save Alex. And, like, instead, over the walkie, he says, like, I love you so much. Uh, you always were, like, a daughter to me. Like, comforting her. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. instead, it's just, uh, she means nothing to me. He knows that already. Kimi knows that already. Kimi knows that, yeah. like, you really have no emotional attachments. So, like, pressing that button, it's not doing anything. It's useless. Mm-hmm. So instead, why not just take those last few moments to be like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Mm -hmm. Like, if you actually did care about her, then uh, I don't know. Say it. Well, I even feel like Alex was like, stop, stop. I'm Ben's daughter. I'm Ben's daughter. Like, he cares about me. You don't want to, like, you need, don't kill me right now. You need me because he cares about me. And like, then she walks up there and then he's like, I actually don't care about her. And Alex is like, well, what do they need me for now? They're going to kill me now. And it works. So it's like, yeah, just like tactical errors on everybody's part mm-hmm. around here. Yeah, it it serves also for another reason, which is that we've seen so far that Whitmore is a terrible person, but mm-hmm. it also adds adds a sort of another negative point to Whitmore. So when by the time we meet him, we're like, okay, so he's really bad all around. Mm-hmm. Even if we had yeah. an episode for, I, I, I don't remember if, if we ever do have an episode where we develop Widmore's character a bit more, but even mm-hmm. if we did, at this point we would know, okay, he's the baddest of the bad guys. And- yeah, we j- honestly, we just get crumbs 
parts of other people's stories. And so, yeah, yeah, he never gets his own episode or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, because before, okay, he, he was, uh, he was a bad dad, but, uh, but now he's okay. He's, he's, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway. So Kimi kills Alex Mm -hmm. and Ben is absolutely shocked. He did not expect his plan not to work. And now she died thinking he never cared about her at 16 years old. And Tanya is so heartbreaking and Michael Emerson is so good. Like you can see the break in his sanity in that moment though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not up to Yeah, that shot of him through the window is so good. Yeah. Yes. It's not up to the actors what the writers wrote and they took what the writers wrote, which is what we're complaining about, and they said we're going to do everything in our power to make this incredible and impactful and they absolutely did it. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the Lost on Location, Michael Emerson said, Ben makes a tactical error and it cost him dearly. There was a human toll and it's the only thing I think that tethers him to the world and keeps him from becoming something monstrous and now Ben has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a man who knows his character. Yes, and it's weird because I, I kept saying like, oh, it humanizes him because it means that he can make a mistake and Michael Emerson is like, it humanizes him, but now he's no longer a human. He was a human until that happened, and now he's not. Yeah. You know? Like, if you Ugh. thought he was emotionally detached from the world before, just wait until he's lost yeah. his only daughter character. Yeah. yeah. So, on Lostpedia, it was pointed out, Locke did not want to execute Ben in front of Alex in 402, and then ultimately it is Alex who is executed in front of Ben, uh. Uh, which I think we mentioned in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the spoiler section of that episode. So, I think we cut to commercial- And when we get back, carnage everywhere, and Ben still stands there just staring. Yeah. And Sawyer looks out the window, and he's mad even at that Kimi guy, because he just, like, left her there. You know, Sawyer likes Alex, too. Sawyer, like, Alex has done a lot for Sawyer, and so he's, like, really mad that they disrespected her like that. Locke says they're probably gonna come back in, like, 20 minutes after it's dark. Sawyer says, let's give him up then. Like, you know, there's nothing else that we can do. Locke says, but then they're just gonna kill everybody. And Sawyer says, well, I don't plan on dying, so let's not do that. Ben, completely in a different train of thought, and says he change the rules. Locke goes, what? And you think that he's talking, like, I like Angela's thing about it being Jacob, but you think that he's maybe talking about Kimi even? And you're like, what do you mean he's changed the rules? Like, you you don't even know that guy. (laughs) You know, you like sort of just met him. But of course he's talking about Widmore, which if Locke knew, I feel like he would, it would let on that he knows him better than than he really than he really said to Locke. Yeah, it's 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 connected to the fact that we still these epi- these episodes were trying to understand who's the real villain of the whole show. Mm-hmm. And it's this he changed the rules that makes it sound a bit like okay, who are we talking about though? Okay, yeah. at the end yeah. of the episode it's with more. But is it really someone else out there that is not mm-hmm. Ben, is not the others, is not Kimi that is actually sort of directing everyone's actions <gasps> yeah but uh anyway we can continue <laughs> and discuss later oh my god <laughs> the light bulb just went off in my head i was like oh i heard it <laughs> i heard the ding uh, yeah yeah the gasp was a ding i like yeah. the, i am um, uh spoiler alert for my favorite line award but i just really love the way that ben pl- or michael as ben plays the whole he changed the rules line like i love mm-hmm. how like kind of ominous and vague it is because like yeah it's just the way that michael emerson plays it like so genuinely like rattled and mm-hmm. shocked and like i mean we never see that man like out of control we never see yeah. that man taken by surprise and in this moment he's 
genuinely taken by surprise and yeah. all he can say is he changed the rules i just love how like mysterious it is you know mm-hmm. he's in shock you know yeah. like it's yeah. yeah yeah fully and like he can't even like he doesn't even mourn until he gets over there yeah because yeah. you know you kind of can put together like this whole time up until now this has all kind of just been like a game for ben like mm-hmm. everything has just been pieces moving on a board and yeah. like but all within this kind of, you know, made up rule book. Like, yeah. we're going to play the game. You can get real nasty playing the game, but you're still yeah. going to play by the rules. And in yeah. this moment, yeah. his opponent has thrown out the rule book, flipped over the game board. And it's like, actually, there are no rules anymore. It's mm-hmm. so good. That's yeah. so good because, like, even while all of this is happening, the game of risk is still on the table behind them. Exactly. <gasps> Ooh juicy right like they're they've been playing they were playing a board game before this i love that yeah it's so good yeah it's all a game to him until exactly exactly the game becomes real even even if we have issues with with this script in particular Mm -hmm. honestly there are so many small details that pop up upon rewatch that Mm -hmm. that really help you connect everything and it's great and michael emerson is is in this episode he's uh, honestly i didn't know what to say (laughs) I don't know what to say because it's you see it scene by scene how he changes the way yeah. he interacts he what he does what he says it's a, I don't know an absolute masterclass Michael yes. Emerson and and even Terry maybe not necessarily yes. in this episode for Terry but like Terry and Michael together are always a yes a powerhouse yeah. yeah I would love to see them in like just endless shows together yes yeah exactly they make each other so good please oh my god that'd be so good two Emmy winners well deserved so Ben goes off to do something and Sawyer doesn't notice he's still talking about how he's pretty sure their best chance is to just throw Ben to the wolves Ben meanwhile opens his little secret room that Saeed found in the uh, in the economist and mm-hmm. closes it behind him even then like this is crazy because like Saeed found the secret room right and you're like ah Ben's secrets and then when we get in here we're like yeah yeah we knew about the secret room and Ben's like oh no I have another secret room <laughs> it's a like Saeed didn't even room. check every nook and cranny you know <laughs> So on, uh, so he removes a false wall to reveal an old, like, ancient wall with, like, markings. On mm-hmm. Lastpedia, it said, The symbols on Ben's secret room door appear to be hieroglyphs that are determinative signs in Egyptian, um, which, you know, we've seen on this show and on this island before. A basic translation of these hieroglyphs is to summon protection. Okay. Um, there oh, is an attached funny. shirt rack concealing the hieroglyph door in this episode. Uh, in The Economist, it was storage shelving. So, I don't know. I don't think Ben had a chance to go and, like, change the what that room you don't know you don't know Robin's layout was so maybe that was an oops but maybe maybe he's into he's into the core you, you cannot know that what does yeah, this man do when true. people are not around he plays the piano he's yeah. yeah that's many interesting things and then he goes inside of that fancy little door Sawyer is like trying to get inside of the secret room he's like we just lost our prisoner Claire <laughs> is awake with the baby and Sawyer asks if she's okay and calls her sweetheart uh-huh. Oh, such a good episode for Sawyer. Sawyer's uh, character development, I feel like, is so apparent in this episode because he just cares about everybody. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's really lovely. So, so uh, Claire says she's fine. And uh, she's like, I'll live. And Miles is like, you sure? I don't know if any of us can say that right now, to be honest. I love that, Um, like, right after, like, Sawyer saved her, I forget who it was. Someone was like, is, is she okay? And Sawyer's response was, she got her bell rung, but she'll yeah. be okay. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> what kind of phrase is that? He's so weird. She got her bell rung. So Ben comes back out of that room and gets his face real close to Sawyer's. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben takes the walkie and he doesn't answer any questions about what just happened. And he goes, okay, here's the plan. We have to run from this house as fast as possible. Uh, when I tell you, head for the trees. And Hurley's like, aren't the shooters there? I feel like that's a bad idea to go there. <laughs> Run toward the guns. And Ben goes, nope, we're going as far away from them as we can. The house begins to shake like an earthquake. The smoke monster shows up, pissed. And, you know, the sonar mm. fence is off. So we didn't turn that back on, I bet, guys. Uh-oh. That's your bad. And Ben tells them to run. They all do. And you can hear this tr- the smoke monster truly destroying these dudes. And Hurley asks Ben if he called that thing toward them. Mm. The The monster keeps attacking them. And Miles is like, damn, I sure am glad I am on this side. <laughs> Maybe I will be your guys' friend, I think. And this is Miles' first time seeing the monster. And he's like, hey, um, what's happening here? <laughs> this place. He's like, I can talk to dead people, but this is weirder. Yeah. And they all run except for Ben because he says he needs to go say goodbye to Alex. And yeah. the... Sound editing is so good because you can, like, there's silence in the chaos and the music and, oh, it's, it's so sad. Yeah. Yikes. So in the final scene of uh, this storyline, uh, they're all in the jungle at night and Sawyer asks Miles if he wants to, like, go catch up with his friends. And Miles is like, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'll stay with you guys. So then Sawyer's like, Kate, we're friends now. And he gives him a torch and it's sweet. Ben shows up and Locke says that he's really sorry and but you did lie to me you said that you didn't know what the monster was and ben's like yeah anyway we'll ask jacob when we get to the cabin and sawyer's like yeah who's jacob ben says he's gonna tell us what the next step is and sawyer's like you know what i'm done with these next steps it feels like every time we're going to do something else and i would like to just be done with this so he says i should have gone with jack Mm -hmm. and me and claire and the baby are all going and then he asks and he checks with claire to make sure that she agrees which I thought was really lovely that he goes, nope, me and Claire and the baby are going and then checks with Claire, you know, instead of just telling her where she's going. I did think that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And Miles agrees and he's going to go too. Uh, Sawyer says also Hurley, but Locke doesn't want that. And they both start threatening each other over Hurley, which is really nice. (laughs) Incredible. But Hurley just wants to be left out of it. He's like, I don't want to do this. Please don't hurt each other. And Locke says they need him to find the cabin. Hurley agrees to go with Locke because he doesn't want anybody to get hurt. You know what? I'm done with all this. Never should have followed you wackos in the first place. I'm going back to the beach and Claire and the kid are coming with me. You good with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm coming with you. Let's go. You too, Harley. Have you lost your mind? Hugo stays with us. Not a chance. Wait, leave me out of it. I'm sorry, Hugo. We need you to find the cabin. He ain't going anywhere with you, you crazy son of a bitch. Stop! Put the guns down. I'll go with Long. Hugo! It's okay, Sawyer. Please, put your gun down. And Sawyer says, you don't have to. And Hurley promises that he'll eventually catch up with them. And Sawyer, like, threatens and says that he's gonna 
kill him if he hurts Hurley. And I'm like, that's his roommate. That's his buddy. They watch Xanadu together. That's his bud. Look at this growth. Ugh. It's beautiful. It's delicious. It's so sweet. So Locke is like, okay. And Aaron starts crying. So they head out and, you know, they split up. And it's really lovely after all of that <sighs> horror, you know? Yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we go into flash forwards? So, I mean, in this, I'm just sad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all sad. I the, the only thing that I would say, but then I I don't remember precisely who gets killed by the smoke monster, is the fact that okay, okay, also this is also for shock value mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. But it does serve to have a sort of catharsis that it's not just the good guys. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, that get killed. Yeah. It's it's a bit. Both sides are getting killed, so it's not as yeah. if it's only Alex that dies. And it's 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 a bunch of uh, bunch of dudes. Yeah. As well. Yeah. But so that's it. And I think, uh, as we were saying, I mean, the title of the episode forces you to think about what happens in this episode in light of what in the light of what happens later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we'll discuss. Yeah. In the spoiler. Yeah. Session. You know. Yeah. Exactly. It's like if this is the shape of things to come, yeah. I'm nervous. So before we go into the flash forwards, I wanted to talk to you guys really quickly about Patreon. Um, It's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. And we have some pretty cool perks that you can join if you want to. The $1 level is um, uh, just early access. So this one comes out a whole week in advance. Uh, $2 is uh, the Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses. They are all in the description. And $10 is our Patreon only podcast um we really appreciate your guys's help we really uh we would really love that if not just check out some of those small businesses um because then you're still supporting us and you get something cool and uh if not just recommend this to a friend because that's free angela you're a patron what makes it worth it for you uh well i get a great postcard once a year with stickers sometimes yep that i treasure and i put in in a nice box and then once I have time and I'll go back to journal or something like that, I'll use. And I get the po- the podcast early, which is great. Yeah. And I have also access to Discord, but I don't spend that much time there. But, you know, if you're into that, it's great. Yeah. So lots of perks. Yeah. I work really hard on trying to make that worth it. So I hope that you guys go check it out. We are going to go into the flash forwards now, which Casey covered the summary for. Yes, she did, and she's finishing crunching on a pretzel. (laughs) Heck yeah, dude. Ben wakes up in a Dharma winter jacket in the middle of the Sahara Desert. He's disoriented and wounded when he's approached by two men on horseback. The men have guns and begin searching him, but Ben catches them by surprise and grabs hold of one of their guns, killing one and overpowering the other before taking off with one of the horses. Next, a battered-looking Ben checks into a hotel in Tunisia. He checks in under the name Dean Moriarty. And as he walks to his room, catches a new segment about Saeed. Saeed is shown surrounded by cameras, saying he just wants to bury his wife in peace. We next see Ben in Iraq during Nadia's funeral. He sneaks to the top of a building where he's spying on the funeral procession. Saeed sees him and catches Ben in an alley, thinking he's just another paparazzi. He sees that it's Ben and is stunned, then begins angrily questioning him about why he's in Iraq and how he got there. Ben explains that he's there to find the man who killed Nadia, as he was sent by Charles Widmore. Sometime later, we see Ben continuing to spy on Widmore's man Ishmael in a cafe. Ishmael disappears and Ben goes after him, but Ishmael gets the lead on him. He asks Ben why he's following him, and Ben says he needs him to deliver a message to Widmore. Saeed suddenly appears, shooting Ishmael multiple times and killing him. He wants revenge for Nadia's death, and asks Ben who's next on the list of Widmore's associates. Lastly, Ben is seen getting out of a taxi late at night in London. 
He enters a building and schmoozes his way past the doorman, making his way up to the penthouse suite, where he finds Charles Widmore sleeping. He wakes up Widmore, who seems not at all surprised that Ben is just standing in his apartment. <laughs> he asks Ben if he's there to kill him, but Ben says they both know he can't do that. Ben says he's there to because Widmore changed the rules and killed his daughter, and now he's going to kill Penny. Widmore says he'll never find Penny, and the island belongs to him. <laughs> ben assures Widmore that he'll never find the island, to which Widmore says, the hunt is on. <clears throat> and that's Cute that. for them. <laughs> Cute for them. Um, yes, yeah, so we wake, or uh, Ben wakes up, and uh, we see his eyes. Um, usually it's only one, but I think this time it was two. He's in a winter coat in the middle of the desert, and we have on the coat a Dharma logo that we have not seen yet, I don't believe. It is very mysterious how he got here. Mm-hmm. In, my, in my notes for the spoilers section, I wrote, and I quote, Explain how he got there. I don't want to write it out, but you know, you crazy bitch. <laughs> so I wrote that to myself. So we'll right. talk about that in the, in the spoiler section. Did you also write down that you need to explain to me uh, why his jacket has that symbol? Yes. Yes, I can do that. Okay, great. Very good. Thank you. And it says Hallowax in there, which I will also talk about in the spoiler section. Right. Uh, but he is in the Sahara Desert and he pukes a little. And he has a wound on his arm. And these horses and men show up with guns. Uh, Ben tries to stop them from shooting. Um, They speak in Arabic. Um, Only some of it is translated on Lespedia, though. But it is very interesting what they said. So they notice that he doesn't have a trail at all. And uh, they ask themselves if he came from the sky. Which is very interesting that it seems like he has just appeared here. Ben asks if they speak English and he tries a few different languages. They take his jacket off and they notice that he has something in his pocket and it's this small metal cylinder. Um, They ask what it is and he presses a button. It becomes like a baton and he hits the dudes and attacks them and he kills one of them and knocks out um, the other one. Uh, he makes a tourniquet for his arm and he takes a gun and a horse and he's and he's off. That's not your horse. Mostly this is just mysterious that we'll have to talk about in the spoiler section. Like, wow, that's a lot of weird stuff know. happening all at once. Oh, well. So he makes his way to Tozier, Tunisia, if I had to guess. Tozier. How is it spelled again? Um, And he's looking rough. I don't know. What's that? How is it spelled again? So it's T-O-Z-E-E-U-R. E-U-R. E-U-R. It should be Tozier. Yeah, what that, what you said. What, something like that. But uh, Lost doesn't have a great track record when it comes to accents, though. I have, I have. have yes, that is true. Yeah, so so it's okay. It can be Tozier or whatever you feel like. You know, like Hozier. You probably pronounced it better than that. We just be trying our best. So he's in the lobby of a hotel and he's like, hello. And the desk clerk, her name is Nergis and she is beautiful gorgeous i love that yeah. she is gorgeous she's she was just on star trek oh really interesting well, I, I, she was she was just on star trek ah okay star trek uh, strange new worlds isn't she in uh if if either of you watched american gods in the first yeah. season wasn't she the goddess the mm-hmm. super gorgeous one the one who ate up a man huh. with her vagina yes incredible so her. respect okay. Okay, yeah. I have to go and see That was an this. interesting show. Also, shout out to this episode. It has nine stars on IMDb. That is higher than usual. Oh, out of ten. I thought you meant yes. stars like actors. And I'm like, really? There's only nine people? Oh, you're like, no, there's probably more. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. I have to search out. Oh, yes. Tunisian desk clerk. <laughs> yeah, she was. You're right. 
I'm right about things. She's so pretty. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Her skin is flawless. Known for This Is Us. Oh, she was on This Is Us and everything too. Wow. She's in a lot she's of stuff. She's been doing she's been doing lots. But uh it said on Lostpedia that she was wearing a hijab and the hijab is illegal in Tunisia. It's illegal? At least it was when somebody wrote that note. Uh yeah, but Tunisia is uh has changed a lot. So maybe not anymore. Politically, so I don't I don't know. In, in the past years. Yeah, I don't know either. That's just what it said on Lostpedia. So it is yeah. possible that that's not true. But I wonder if it was true in 2005, which is when possible. this takes place. Uh, so he asks for a room and he rings the bell. If I would be annoyed. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, how about hello? <laughs> it's not that hard. How about hello? I'm right here. He's so bad. I love him. <laughs> I feel like when you ring the bell, it's because nobody's standing there and you uh, need help. Yes, that's true. I'm, I'm right here. He's petty. So she asks if it's his first time in Tunisia, and he says, nope, but it's been a while, and he has a preferred guest. His name is Dean Moriarty, and this is one of the passports that uh, Saeed found in Ben's secret room, because those all were addressed for Dean Moriarty. Clearly, Ben knew where he was going to end up, not necessarily in Tunisia, but he knew he was going to need a passport. Like, he packed something. Yeah. You know? Which is so interesting. He had a general idea. Just maybe not the middle of the Sahara Desert. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And maybe. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, he doesn't show any other idea. I think so. Maybe he was planning uh-huh. to travel with uh, with a fake identity. Yeah, and it's interesting that he's a preferred guest at this specific hotel. So it seems like he's done this specific trip before yeah. to Tunisia. Yeah, and and it's <laughs> also very subtle that he chose the passport where he's called Moriarty. Like uh-huh. just to highlight, <laughs> just to just to tell people so. I'm the villain, please. <laughs> right, I'm-, <laughs> I'm a mastermind, yes. Hey, um, Robin, mm-hmm. tell me. Um, you might recall from an episode not too long ago. Yeah. We saw a flashback of, I believe it was Charlotte. Um, Correct. And she was um at an archaeological site digging up uh, bear, polar bear bones. Where, yes. where was she? Where was she? Wow, Casey, that was in Tunisia. Hmm. Oh, wow. Fascinating. I wa- huh, I- interesting. I wonder if that's at all related. Anyway. You know what? I bet it is. Okay, so, um... <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm. I'm sure that's not important. Just a coincidence. The passport that Ben gives... In The Economist, Saeed saw Switzerland and New Zealand. But the passport that Ben uses in this episode is Canadian. <laughs> ah, damn it. <laughs> it can be seen in the front when he's opening it, and the fact that there are maple leaves imprinted on the document when it's open to his picture, um, I can confirm that is a Canadian passport, and uh, that's very exciting for me. <laughs> As a Canadian. But also, I think a lot of people, like, sometimes, like, you know, when you're a Canadian and you're traveling, you're told to let people know that you're Canadian because people treat you nicer, um, and I think that some people, like, lie and say that they're Canadian when they're not as well. Um, I know it, we've seen Kate do that this uh, in this show before. Uh, uh-huh. Eventually, Lily, of course, being Canadian, but yeah. <laughs> LOL. Kate isn't. <laughs> Ethan saying he's from Toronto. Uh-huh. So she's, like, surprised because I guess, like, he's a very, very important guest. And she's like, of course, is there anything else? And he says, yeah, what day is it today? And she says, it's October 24th. And he goes, 2005? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, what a weird thing to ask. Like, it's weird enough for someone to ask, like, what day it is. Mm-hmm. To ask the year? Yeah. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. I'd like a room, please. Of course, sir. Is this your first time in Tunisia? No. But it's been a while. Your name? I'm actually a preferred guest. It 
should be under Dean Moriarty. Certainly, Mr. Moriarty. May I help you with anything else? Yes. Today's date is... October 24th, sir. 2005. Yes, sir. 2005. I honestly think he does a really good job sort of like playing it off like he's really pretentious. Like he says, what's the date today? And she says, October 24th. And he goes, 2005? As if he's saying like, you didn't finish the date. Yeah. I asked what day it was and you have to do day, month, year. Please confirm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so he sort of pulls it off that way. And, you know, he sort of is like, I'm just a goofy guy. Anyway, ha ha ha. And like walks away. So he does pull it off. It's not as weird as it could have been. He is obnoxious. I know. But this is over a year after the crash, mm. which is very interesting. Yeah. He is going to go upstairs, but then he sees something on the TV and it is Saeed and he's surrounded by cameras and he says, I just want to bury my wife in peace. Ouch. So, but, but as of this moment, we're like, wife? And she's already dead? Like, yikes. Mm, what? Wait, don't we know right away? Don't they show a picture? We do in the next in the next scene. Ah, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but for right now, we're just like, wait. Oh, so like we don't know what's not. He's got a wife? He's got a wife and she's dead? What? Also, it's been not even, uh, well, it's been one year since the crash. This guy <laughs> crashed into an island. Found yeah. the time to come back, get a wife, and uh-huh. see her killed. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that sounds about like Saeed's luck. <laughs> but it is less than a year from like where we are on the island storyline, which is like December, end of December 2004. Oh, yeah. So so on Lostpedia, it said, The television reporter that mentions Saeed while Ben is in Tunisia states, One of the sons of Iraq, and despite the terrible causes for his return, Saeed Jarrah, one of the members of the Oceanic Six, returned to Baghdad after his wife had passed away. Saeed Jarrah and his wife are from the Tikrit area. So that's another little hint right before we see her picture. It also said many of the Arabic scripts, including the news broadcast and the signs in Tunisia and Iraq, are erroneous. The letters are not connected as they should be, as as if they did not even form words. And even if they were connected, many of them still would not form proper words. Saeed's name, for example, is written as, and then it shows what it's written as, which would read as Saeed Jareh, like S-A-Y-Y-I-D-J-A-R-E-H, when connected. Um, this is not how Saeed is spelled. <laughs> so how Saeed's name is spelled. Hmm. So um, yeah, you yeah. know there are translators in the world and people who can actually tell you when <laughs> <laughs> what you're writing down. Like there are people who can do this for you. Exactly. Like maybe consider talking to them. Um, <laughs> but okay. So we head to Tikrit, Iraq, and we already know that this is where Saeed is from. We've you know heard him talk about it before. There's this funeral procession with a wooden coffin, and we see that it is Nadia. So not only like it's beautiful to know that Saeed went and finally found her, and they fell back in love and they got married and it's wonderful but um yeah she's already freaking dead yikes yeah right wonderful so a press van shows up and it's ben he goes up on the roof of a building and he starts taking pictures of the procession as well as Saeed and this dude who's drinking coffee, which we learn is Bakir. On Lostpedia, it said, the camera that Ben uses in Tikrit is a Nikon D100, although the Nikon logo above the lens has been replaced with a random pattern. So they didn't want to have to put a Nikon logo in there. The lens used is a Nikon 8400 telephoto zoom lens. The camera that he used is a Nikon, but the viewfinder display is clearly not from a Nikon camera. So I'm not really sure what happened there. 
<laughs> so there's that. So yeah. there's that. Saeed sees Ben and runs up and catches him. And he almost attacks him, but then he sees that it's Ben. And he's like, uh, how did you get here? And so later they like go off and Ben goes, oh, I crossed the Syrian border. <laughs> Saeed's like, sure. thanks. Yeah. I meant, how did you get off the island? And Ben yeah, says that know. he used Desmond's boat and then a plane. And that's not true. And we know that. We just mm-hmm. saw how he got off the island and it was not that. Yeah. Sure wasn't. I didn't see yeah. a boat personally or an ocean. Me neither. Me neither. Um, in fact, I saw the opposite of an ocean, which is a <laughs> desert. <laughs> the opposite of an ocean. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess that's true. Yeah. So Ben explains that one of Widmore's guys was at the procession and he shows him a picture from a traffic camera. He was last seen five days ago in LA and he says the exact corner, including Santa Monica. And I always remember the way that Ben says Santa Monica. And every time I see anything about Santa Monica, I say it the way that Ben says it, which is Santa Monica. (laughs) I was like, how does he say? Santa Monica. He says La Brea and Santa Monica. So I always remember it. Anyway. You remember the name Charles Widmore, don't you? The man who tried to convince the world that your plane was on the bottom of the ocean? What does it have to do with me? With Nadia? There was a man at her procession. He goes by the name of Ishmael Bakir. He's one of Widmore's men. Bakir was last seen five days ago in Los Angeles. Caught by a traffic camera speeding away from the corner of La Brea and Santa Monica. That's three blocks from where Nadia was killed. And Ben says, I don't know why they killed her. And Saeed's mad. And uh, as Ben walks away, he's like really, he, he smiles. And I feel like Ben, that was Ben's plan. You know, he, he was meant to be seen and found by Saeed so that he could tell him this information and get Saeed to do stuff. Which we know that he does of in course. The Economist. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it's interesting that Ben is back to, like, doing these tactical reverse psychology things um, and they're working again, you know? He's, like, back on the, mm-hmm. back on the ground, on the grind, back. Oh, yeah. His, back doing it. His every interaction with Saeed is to, like, get Saeed on his side. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, in the cafe in Iraq, he's watching Bakir, Ben. And when he leaves, uh, Ben follows, chasing him through a marketplace frantically. But the guy noticed and now has Ben at gunpoint. So, Bakir says, why are you following me? And Ben goes, Hi, I'm Ben. (laughs) Because he knows the name. And he asks him to take a message to Widmore. And he says, okay, what's the message? But before he can give the message, Saeed kills the dude and shoots him like a bunch of times because, you know, he killed his wife. Mm. And Ben goes, okay, great, thanks. (laughs) And so do you guys think that the plan was Ben was like, I'm going to follow him and then you're going to be behind me and kill him? Or did Ben just like think that Saeed would probably follow him. Like, did they did they plan this or did Saeed just follow Ben? I think they planned it. Yeah, okay. It's unclear, honestly. But It they, is unclear. They, pro- they probably planned it, but it mm-hmm. is unclear. I have to say, the first time I watched the episode the other day, I thought it was just a coincidence. And this yeah. time when I watched it this morning, I was like, eh, it's a bit too convenient. Um, yeah, I guess I just wonder because, like, it's hard for me to believe that Saeed would just, like, immediately team up with Ben like that. 
So, like, in my mind, Saeed was, like, oh. also on his own mission and then started working with Ben rather than he being, like, immediately teaming up with Ben to have a plan that they're working together with, you know? You know what? Uh, no, 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 no. Now that you say that, I think maybe it wasn't. Yeah. I think Ben knew that Saeed would follow him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, 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 that's probably it. Yeah. yeah, that's probably it. Because then it's played. By, uh, by by the three actors involved as if mm -hmm. they were not expecting the other person to be there. Yeah. So uh, we know that Ben can play fake very easily. Yep. Said usually doesn't. Mm -hmm. So probably Ben was expecting, yes, then Said to, to yeah. follow him. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's clear that Ben from, from the start wanted Said on his side. So he was probably yeah. trying to find ways for him to pop up. Yeah. I do, however, think that Ben meant to be caught by the guy. Yes. So I think that oh, yeah. Said was already following Ben. Ben saw that Said was following him and then Ben meant to be caught by the guy. Because he's yeah. like running around there. He's not trying to be stealthy at all. All, you know no 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 no. i think yeah, yes no. now this was done on purpose he's yeah. not caught unless he wants to be right mm -hmm. so ben's like kate thanks saeed and saeed's like uh-huh what <laughs> and ben's like yep yeah, we're good to move on now and saeed's like i don't know what to do with myself they took away everything from me what do i do and ben says if you let your grief become anger it'll never go away and i know that hmm. that's interesting sometimes i feel like ben says these things just so that Saeed will relate to him, though, and not necessarily because he's, like, trying to be vulnerable with Saeed, you know what I mean? Ah, oh, no, he's not trying to be vulnerable, but he yeah. can speak for experience this time. This yeah. is the sort of thing that he could have said before Alex's death as well. Yeah. Just, just yeah. as a common psychological thing to, to throw at Saeed. Yeah. But now, because of what we know, it makes sense. Also, is this scene before or after Alex's death? I don't know. Uh, in the episode? After. Yeah, in the episode. No, it is before... Oh. In, in the episode, it is before. Chronologically, in Ben's life, it is after. Right. Okay. Okay. But then, then exactly, it's, it's for us then to make a connection. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I was wrong. Oh, it is after. Okay. okay, okay. And then even more. Yeah, it is right after. Then even more, it's, it's, it's because he could have said it anyway, but because Alex, because of the impact that Alex's death had on him, mm -hmm. um, and the fact that he immediately, as soon as she died, he turned all his focus onto doing something against Widmore. Yeah. Then that's that's also the way he, pro he can present it to Saeed, even though he's not going to say why he relates to him. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So he tells Ben it's my war, not yours. And Saeed says he has spent the last eight years looking for Nadia. He finally found her, he married her, and she got murdered. And so that means it's his war too. And who's next? So we finally got an uh, a reason as to why Saeed is working with Ben, because... As of the end of 403, we're like, uh, how the heck did this happen? Right. Um, and this mm -hmm. is the answer to that. Yep. And it's exactly what Ben wanted. Yep. Yes. And Ben says, Kate, I will let you know who's next on the list. And yeah, he smiles as he walks away. And this was totally the plan. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out, uh, Alex is killed by Kimi, an ex-military non-commissioned officer who works for Charles Widmore. Ben later employs Saeed, an ex-military officer, as an assassin whose primary role is to kill Widmore's people and possibly Widmore's daughter, Penny. So, um, Ben's like, Uno reverse card, Charles. <laughs> it's like, I will do the same exact thing. <laughs> so in London, so I don't know who, how, however much long, however, whoa, what was that? Was that a sentence? However much long. 
however far away that was from what we're doing now, he's in London now. Okay. And he steps out of a taxi, he pays the cab, and he goes into a building. And it's like straight up nighttime. The doorman stops him. So this is a fancy place that has a doorman 24-7. When I tell you I lived in Vancouver, our our freaking concierge, you could never find him anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just in that building and I can confirm I did not see a concierge once. <laughs> Robert, please. I don't live there anymore, but I'm sure that you're just going to McDonald's all the time again. Oh my god, Robin, have you seen that McDonald's? Yes, it's so fancy now. I call it McMinimalism. Ah, I love it. I mean, I have never seen a McDonald's that looks like that. It's kind of scary. Yeah. It's so classy. There's like one single screen that's a menu. It's kind of, it's a little unsettling. (laughs) Anyway. So the doorman stops him and i sure wish that we had a doorman who cared about us like listen robert you're very nice but uh, i'm so mad about this it's been almost a year since i lived there but uh it'd be nice to have a doorman who was just like there all the time and doing Mm. his job yeah it's almost like you like pay a really lot of money just to have like (laughs) basic security right ben just sort of like leaves the door open when he walks in and when he gets in the elevator you can see the door is closed so that is a continuity error Mm-hmm. Um, just saying. I I thought that maybe the doorman was just bad at his job at, you know, getting the door, but it turns out he closes doors with his mind. So maybe we should uh-huh. give the man a raise. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, could be doing more with yeah. his life. So Ben says that he's there to see Mr. and Mrs. Kendrick in 4E. And the doorman's like, it's pretty late. And Ben's like, they're expecting me. <laughs> We're swingers. What are you going to do? <laughs> but I love the, I love the little shrug. They're expecting. I know. Yeah. This smug little face. He's like, it's a booty call. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So he's like, just call up then if you want. Call up. And uh, he has the baton. So like if that guy tried to call up, he was fully going to attack him, mm-hmm. which would have made his escape a little bit difficult. Um, <laughs> he's like, goes back down after talking to Widmore and the doorman's like, was that it? And Ben's like, I'm fast. <laughs> I'm quick. I think it's interesting how like Ben kind of justifies his actions by like, you know, quote unquote, not killing innocent people. Like, yeah, he will. He was fully ready he would. to murk this mm-hmm. man, but mm-hmm. he didn't have to. And so he didn't because he went along with what he wanted. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. like, mm, so. if he didn't, though, you would have killed him. You're still not a good person. So what we've learned here is that never to stop anybody from doing anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so the doorman's like, no, that's okay. I won't. Have fun. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just add a very deep thought about this scene? Yes, please. Is that Ben has terrible fashion sense his fashion Mm. is always horrible (laughs) in every episode of this show and here they were trying to make him look a bit more fashionable okay uh Uh no no not a great choice about about, (laughs) uh, but okay anyway sorry guys you failed yeah sorry this is quality content that i had to bring to this podcast but no it's important it's important Um, we had like a whole discussion about saeed's hair before so like in previous episodes (laughs) we're good i never want to see his straight hair again (laughs) oh my god it's horrible. Horrible. Nightmare. I know. Keep it with the curls, please, sir. I was trying yes. not to mention The Economist because uh-huh. it, it's a it's an episode that I don't like particularly. And I yeah. think Said's hair contributes to that. That mm-hmm. is so fair. And it's so true. I cannot... Unspeak. And him saying espresso, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two strikes that episode, Said. <laughs> so Ben heads into the elevator and he picks the lock to get to the penthouse. On Lostpedia it said... When Ben picks the elevator lock, he uses picks designed for warded locks, but the lock is clearly a pin or wafer tumbler lock. So that pick should not actually have worked for that lock, but 
Oh, well, especially for, like, a penthouse lock. I feel like Charles Widmore should have more security, Mm -hmm. but who knows? Yeah. So he goes, hello, Charles. And Charles said, hey, I'm in my nightie. (laughs) I have a little cap on, like, Scrooge. (laughs) Like Rip Van Winkle. My best to Ebenezer Scrooge. So Widmore goes, oh, I was wondering when you would show up. Have you been getting some sun? And I'm like, how can you see his tan from here? (laughs) And in the dark? It's dark. It's dark. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you guys in love? What's happening? You know what? They are. Right? Yes. Yes. Noticing all of the, like, little things about him. I'm like, you guys, aw. That's gay. (laughs) It's a little gay. Uh, uh, I I got that as well as a... uh, I thought, because Widmore is still probably following Ben, I I thought, oh, okay, so this was just to say, oh, I know that you went to a warm country. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I went, you're right. Maybe he knows that he was there. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I thought it was... And he's just making fun of him a little. Yeah, I thought he was making fun of him a bit. Yeah. So Ben says that he was in Iraq. And yeah, like like we said, Woodmore probably already knew that. On Lostpedia, it said the oil painting in Charles Woodmore's bedroom is Black Rock Storm, yes. which is seen at the Southfields auction of the Black mm. Rock Ledger in the yes. Constant. So he bought that too. Yes interesting yes i was freaking out when i realized (laughs) and i i don't know if i tried to understand what the rest of the art was but Mm -hmm. i don't know if there was a point to the other two uh, paintings that we see but the black rock is the very obvious one yes i'm not sure that's the only one that was on uh on lostpedia okay so maybe just to show that he has a bunch of money that he spends in many yep and he clearly cares about stuff on the island a lot yeah. So Ben says you have scotch by the bed, which of course is classic McCutcheon. And Widmore says, yeah, since the nightmares started. And I'm like, hmm, vulnerable for you. Mm-mm. Vulnerable. <laughs> Gotta be bad for your teeth, though. Gotta be bad for your teeth. Ugh, yeah. So Widmore says, have you come to kill me? And Ben says, I can't. Because I don't know. It's against the rules, I assume. And Widmore says, why are you here then? Which is interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's against the rules for them to kill each other, right? So Ben says, uh, Locke, stay with me because they won't kill me. Hmm. I, right? I, I don't really understand that. And I don't know if, it's, if, if there is a reason for it. As if they cannot kill each other. In a way. Yeah, right. When did these rules become a thing? When did you exactly. make the rules happen? Because Ben says it as if uh, Widmore is supposed to know that he cannot. What kill the him. rules are, yeah. Yes, and it's not just uh, a changing of the rules about uh, uh, Widmore killing Ben's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really the fact that them killing each other is like I don't know if it's because it's it's against fair play in a way that you just mm-hmm. take out the other player. Right, it's the bro code. Yeah, or if it's because they cannot because they tried before and didn't work. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Huh. But I don't know if this comes back. Right, but then Ben seems to think that he can just change these rules. Yes, I don't know if this comes back afterwards, but um, but anyway. Yeah, which makes me feel like... I, I have spoiler thoughts about this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, so... Uh, he says, you can't, I can't kill you. Uh, Woodmore says, why are you even here? Ben says, because you murdered my daughter. And Woodmore's mm-hmm. like, not sure why you blaming me because it was your fault that she died. Mm-hmm. And he says he has horrible eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Roast him. Ouch. He says, you show up here in the middle of the night and pretend that you're the victim. Mm-hmm. I know who you are and what you are and what you've taken from me. So why are you here? Yikes. 
Oh. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out that during the final scene, the, the light casts a shadow over half of Widmore's and half of Ben's faces. So you've got a black and white thing that, that mm-hmm. sort of signifies that neither of them are all good or all bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ben said, oh, I'm just here to let you know that I'm going to kill your daughter, Penelope. And then you'll understand how I feel and wish that you hadn't changed the rules. Hmm. And what an absolutely horrible sense of foreboding that I feel at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because. Doesn't feel great. Well, Penelope should not be punished for the yeah. trash garbage that her dad's been doing. But of course, Ben feels like Alex was punished mm-hmm. for yeah. the crap garbage that he was doing. And it sucks because we like Penelope and we don't want her to die. Especially now. I think this yeah. is one of, one of the moments when uh, the ship is at its strongest and it doesn't yeah. penny thing. Yes. So you hear that and you're like, oh no. No, please. <laughs> they need to find each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Lostpedia, it said, Ben told Michael in Meet Kevin Johnson that he will not kill an innocent person, but now tells Charles Widmore that he's just going <laughs> to kill Penny, <laughs> who's innocent. Hmm. Interesting. It's like he was lying. Yes. Wait, is Meet Kevin Johnson before or after? It's right before, right? It was the episode right before this. It was the previous episode. Okay. And this is when uh, you were saying Whitmore said that he was not going to kill. No, wait. No, Ben said that. Ben told Michael, I don't kill innocent people, which is... You're like, okay, well, I already know that's, that's not true. That's a, that's a lie. That's really like, a lie. That's, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Woodmore's like, well, you're never going to find her. So we're good. And also, by the way, I'm going to get the island. And Ben goes, well, you're never going to find it. So <laughs> they're like children. And they're like, okay, I guess we're both looking for stuff then. Ugh, they're such teenage boys in this moment. Ben says, yes. yep. Well, nighty night. <laughs> Why are you here? I'm here, Charles, to tell you that I'm going to kill your daughter. Penelope, is it? And once she's gone, once she's dead, then you'll understand how I feel. And you'll wish you hadn't changed the rules. find her. That island's mine, Benjamin. It always was. It will be again. But you'll never find it. Then I suppose the hunt is on for both of us. I suppose it is. Sleep tight, Charles. And that's the episode. (laughs) That's it. Like... It's just, it's so goofy, but luckily Alan Dale and Michael Emerson are, like, such phenomenal actors that mm-hmm. it works. Like, yeah. this whole rivalry thing, like, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, when you get, get down to it, it's just goofy. Why y'all mm-hmm. being so dramatic? <laughs> Going to his you... apartments in the middle of the night. Exactly. Yeah. Why do you have to break into his apartment? What's the point of that? Like, dude, you couldn't wait till morning? Oh. You guys know that meme when, like, you go and wake up your mom in the middle of the night and she's like, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, that's... But Charles Woodmore doesn't. He's just like, hey, Ben. He's like, oh, you so... have another nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> Charles Woodmore's like, I'm gonna be honest, I'm smashed. I'm <laughs> drunk right now. I'm not 100% sure you're here. I might just be thinking about you. Yeah. 
So a few days after we finished recording this episode, Angela got a hold of me and she said, I actually have more to say and I'd like to send a voicemail. I said, go ahead and I'll enter it in. Uh, like two months later, after I, we had recorded like two more episodes, she finally got back to me with her thoughts in a voicemail. Um, like I said, it's been quite a while since I edited this, so I hope you'll forgive me if instead of finding a good spot to put it, I'm just gonna uh, put it right at the end here. Um, but uh, I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Uh... Hello, guys. So I'm sending this message after talking to, to Robin by text because right after we stopped recording, I, I listened to some of the old episodes that I had left and I realized that actually I was not really gone really that much into what the whole uh, situation in the behind the scenes of Lost meant for the show itself. Uh, and it's funny now to think about it because we're talking about we're talking about this in a period when uh, there is a writer strike happening and we see some dynamics that uh, took place when the show was being written and filmed being replicated. So what I see in particular now that I'm hearing about the behind the scene and what's happening now on certain shows as well and rethinking about what we discussed in this podcast at some point i went off the the whole situation of the villains talking about the villains that we have left the fact that both of them are dark characters in the in in the symbolism of the light and dark that the show presents all the time and i started thinking about what it means to have these two villains at this point and the fact that we reached this point because of all the deaths that happened throughout, because the focus shifted from John and Jack uh, onto other parts of the island, other characters, and the fact that we also got there by paying less and less attention to the meaning behind the death of a character. Why is this related to the show? It's because at this point, especially by, by thinking about the Michael episodes and, and the plot of some of those, it's very difficult to see how in a situation like the one that Lost had behind the scenes, Michael could have had a better resolution of his story. And in particular, the idea that I keep coming back to, but of course it would be maybe worth looking into it even more, is the fact that at the start of the show, conflicts were always deeply rooted into characters having different ideas. Not necessarily good, not necessarily bad, but opposing because of a different perspective or a different way of seeing how things go. But as we go along, as deaths on the show become less and less relevant in a way, and in some cases even used for shock value, as we go along, the plot starts becoming also thinner. We're still talking about a very complicated show. I love the, the whole background of, of the time traveling adventures in a way, of uh, the magical history and background of the island. But the show starts becoming more and more about your position of good guys and bad guys against bad, bad guys. And of course, the Ben situation is very particular and, and that's what makes him fascinating because he's a bad guy, but there is someone even badder than him uh, on the island or outside of the island, but controlling things that happen over there. But still, even if it's, there is an attempt and, and there is a success in a way, in, in the way this story is built, I still keep thinking, what if we, have, we had had a different production behind? 
one that could better understand the role of Michael, uh, the role that Michael could play as a character on the show, that could also better see how female characters could interact, how certain uh, plots could appear even weird by looking at them later. It's not. It's not just. Of course, then, then this is routine racism and uh, and a number of uh, things that were happening in the production. But how different uh, could it have been? So, of course, yes. It's it's a discussion much more complicated than this. You absolutely don't have to put all of this, uh, all of this message uh, in the in the show. But I think. Possibly because we discussed uh, the ban, and now I cannot remember uh, Pani's dad, <laughs> but uh, but the, the the contrast between the conflict between Ben and and Pani's dad, we discussed it near the end of the episode of the podcast. I think I possibly went off too much into the symbolism of the light and dark on the show. Well, there are probably uh, other reasons now that we know about what happened or at least part of what happened in the production of Lost itself. Um, and maybe this is something we should not forget to reflect upon because of the specific situation that we're living, uh, because of the strike that is ongoing in Hollywood and that is uh, starting to impact Europe as well, even if many productions are still ongoing, but there is uh, here even in in Europe and and I hear in particular in the UK already they're starting to think okay what the, how is this going to impact us if it continues in the US and of course the the situation is very different there when we're talking about social services trade unions the history as well of having trade unions in certain sectors but we might see history rep- happen again on certain shows and. Maybe this strike will also have to be a wake-up call once we watch certain things to understand that we cannot always take everything at face value. And after this strike, we might see certain other news appearing about uh, productions where not everyone was treated the same way and certain actors, but also certain uh, members of the crew were not given the the role they could have and that would have allowed them to really have a voice in the show uh, or in a, on a movie or on a documentary or, 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 or whatever, but, but really um, that could have impacted the final product so as to better reflect different points of view. Anyway, that's it. Again, I don't know if you're going to put all of this because it's very long but uh, and it's more of a rambling, to be honest, but uh, maybe there are a few elements here and there that... I hope complement my thoughts near the end of the episode. Bye-bye. All right, so now we're going to go into segments. Our first segment is our favorite line award. Uh, my favorite line award goes to Hurley and Sawyer for... We're all going to die. Calm down, chicken little. Sky ain't falling just yet. Still Shaw. And that is not a reference. <laughs> that is not a reference to the 2005 Disney movie. Shocked. Shocked. <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm never gonna get over that. My whole life is turned upside down. And my honorable mention also goes to Sawyer for... You harm so much as one hair on his curly head? I'll kill you. It's so Sweet, cute. adorable. It's I love so it. Lovely. And my favorite line award goes to Ben for... He changed the rules. Just for the drama. 
Mm-hmm. And mine is... It was fine when I last saw him. Which was when? When? When is kind of a relative term. Which is something that Faraday says. And mm -hmm. it's great because it's about time, uh, time travel. Mm -hmm. so yep. I love it. So cute, so fun. Just Faraday <laughs> saying it in his cute little Faraday way. Exactly, it's lovely. He's like, I don't know. I, I'm just really bad at answering questions. Why, why, why was I put in this situation? I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> Let me sleep. He's so bad at answering questions. <laughs> Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. And today we're talking about Ben. So do you guys find Ben to be more of a man of science or more of a man of faith this episode? That's a man of science. Yeah. He's never had faith in anything in his life. Yeah. Aside from himself. I think the thing is that he has faith... Exactly, I was about to say, he's having faith in his in himself. And it's shook this episode, so he goes like a hard left into science, I feel like. Yes, fully. Yeah. Yeah, he sees fully. himself as like godlike, you know, as the chosen yeah. one. And when yeah. you're the chosen one, you don't have to have faith in something. People have faith in you. And, Good point. Uh, yeah. Throughout the episode, even before the, the Alex thing, uh, this thing of not wanting Sawyer to go out, uh, to go out to look for Claire. I mean, he's looking at everything very, very rationally. And he always does yeah. that. But this episode yeah. in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. They did not do the thing this episode. How likable is Jack this episode? <laughs> out of 10, how likable do you guys find Jack this episode? Four out of 10. Four. Interesting. Okay. I don't like that he's doing weird flirty stuff with Kate that's too forced. Mm -hmm. um, I do like that. He I don't like that he's roughing up my boy. Yeah. No. I do like that he has a tummy ache because. um. Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> if, <laughs> if the tummy ache makes him more likable, then... A little yeah, bit. A, four, a even little bit. five out of ten, because he's in pain, mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, no, no, Jack, I'm sorry. I'm going to go four as well. <laughs> exactly. No. Asexual Faraday, question mark, question mark, question mark. The answer is yes, always yes. Yes, always yes. Faraday do be ace. Sure. He's just be an ace around here. Please be nice to my friend. He's just real bad at answering questions. <laughs> He's just really bad. He doesn't do the packing. He doesn't know. Really bad at answering questions. Not so good at being interrogated. Uh, how many episodes since the last knockout? I didn't realize it until we started talking, but I'm pretty sure Claire gets knockout, knocked out this episode by an explosion. So we're going to go zero episodes since the last knockout. Yes. And there's one, a second one. one because Ben knocks out the, the guy on the... In, in the desert. Yes. Yeah. That one's not on island. So I don't know if we're going to count. We count it anyway, but it doesn't matter because, uh, because Claire. Does this episode pass the Bechdel test? I do not think so. Absolutely not. Um, no. This episode says. I do not see that happening. What's a woman? No. In fact, we're going to kill people. <laughs> like, it's not a good idea. Yeah. I mean, in this episode, we can. What do they do? They knock out Claire. They kill Alex. Yep. And no one speaks. No, wait. Cla uh, Kate maybe says something? Maybe? Oh, yeah. Does she even say something? Or does she just look at <laughs> Jack in a weird way while she's on the She beach? just talks about crackers with Jack. Ah, true. <gasps> Cracker Jack. Yeah. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah, I do not think so. I think, yeah, absolutely not. Stay tuned for a segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Uh, and thank you to whoever cooperated in the same place as us during this podcast. I sat in my room alone the whole time. <laughs> 
nice. Um, same. Uh, my fiance is uh, cleaning the apartment in the meantime, so he's been very quiet oh, about it. That's lovely. Thank you, fiance. <laughs> Thank you, yes. (laughs) If you were so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. Uh, If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We sort of, you could probably tell because we (laughs) mentioned it a couple times this episode, Um, but we covered seasons four to seven as they were airing and then we're going back to the good old days. So season three is done and we're in the midst of season four as of this recording. Or midst of season two, sorry, as we're recording. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like like to talk about that show too. It's done. It's over. It happened. Not as we're recording, but as the time this comes out, we have an episode for every single episode of Riverdale. Go and listen to it. It's an entire backlog. It's done. End of an era. So true. A Riverdale episode was the very first episode that we put out as as the aficionados, the first episode of Riverdale, so... And guess what? You don't have to watch the show to listen to the podcast. In fact, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. Fully, fully. Can I? I regret ever starting the show. <laughs> can I confirm? You can fully watch River, uh, listen to the podcast without watching Riverdale. <laughs> what I used to do for a while, when in the low moments of the show, is that I would put the podcast on and the show on mute and let the show run while I was listen, listening to you guys commented that's incredible that is so funny so that you knew what the characters looked like but you didn't have to listen to them talk exactly that's the one genius that's the one do that genius if you're a fan of stranger things we'd like to talk about that show too uh we did seasons one to three and we are making our way through season four before season five starts um yeah we'd really appreciate it if you would check out our other stuff you can follow at the aficionados on twitter facebook tumblr instagram um mostly twitter but robin does make gifts of our favorite land words on tumblr and check us out on our TikTok. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. I'd really appreciate that. Robin puts in a lot of work. Yes, I do. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive with our money and expensive with our time. So um, I would really appreciate that. Um, or check out the small businesses in the description or just recommend us to a friend because it's free. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV. C-A-S-E-Y-W-A-T-C-H-E-S-T-V. And Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yay. So spectacular. Excellent. Where can people follow you? Uh, people can follow me at IRL Writers Block. They can contact me there. And then, well, and somewhere else your Twitter ever shuts down. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, our next episode is episode 410. It's called Something Nice Back Home, and we're going to be having Endeavorance on there. You can find him at Endeavorance. He's got a whole bunch of followers on TikTok, um, and he once talked about Lost on a TikTok, and I commented, and I said, come on my Lost podcast, and he said, okay. Oh, phenomenal. Great. So yeah, we're going to have him on, and that'll be fun. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Spoilers! Spoilers! So, one of the things that I noticed when I was doing my notes for this is that, like, there's a lot of episodes of this show um, where, like, I hardly have any spoiler thoughts because I'm like, you know, it's like, there's just not anything to say. This is not one of those episodes. Um, There is so much. There is so much in the spoilers this uh, this episode. It's literally yeah. the things to come, this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Good point, yes. You could say it really, it really paints a picture of, you know, the shape of things to come. Yeah. To come. For the beach storyline, uh, Jack has appendicitis. Um, he needs to get his <laughs> appendix out. <laughs> 
next episode. Sucks. And he's like, oh, I have a stomach bug. And I'm like, oh, no, you have appendicitis. <laughs> like, what kind of freaking doctor mistakes a stomach bug for an appendicitis? No, other well, way around. Well, Jack thinks there's nothing wrong with him ever, Casey. He's yes. just like, I'm just not being strong enough to get through this right now. It's true, but he just saw a dead doctor right in front of his eyes. No, 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 no. While he goes into sepsis. But, but Jack is always like this. He probably, and yeah. I'm sorry for everyone who likes Jack. Jack listening to this podcast. I'm very sorry about it. I'm upset at you guys for choosing him as the best character of Lost. I'm really sorry. I- I'm really sorry. You know, but, but apart, apart I'll never live it down and it's I apologize. <laughs> but apart from that, he always thinks that he can will things into existence. So he probably thinks, huh. I might have appendicitis, but if I don't think about it, and I take antibiotics for whatever f***ing reason... Oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 No, good for you! That's it exactly. That's it exactly. Then then it's just going to disappear. Because it takes Mm -hmm. Juliet literally 30 seconds (laughs) to realize that she has appendicitis. So, oh my god. Men are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I did, however, really like, like, the very first thing that we see Jack do in this episode is he's, like, walking into that tent after Kate has her weird bath, (laughs) and you can see him touch his back where his appendix is. Oh, yeah, I caught that. So, like, it's really good foreshadowing that he, like, sort of touches there because he knows that it hurts. Like, he has to know in the back of his mind that he has appendicitis. Yes. You know where your appendix is, you nutball. But it's, it's, I mean, they're key reason why he doesn't want to accept it is mm-hmm. because he knows it means he needs to get operated. Yeah, he needs to he knows that he needs to get back to the real world. I wonder like that's probably why he cries at the end is he's just like, but I need I need a surgery. <laughs> oh no, and the other doctor died. Exactly. <laughs> he's like if Ray had only just shown up alive on the beach, he could have helped me. If only there was a doctor on this island that is not me. Mm. And Juliet is like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm Hello? right there. <laughs> Honestly, if Ray had shown up and Jack would have been like, oh great, another doctor. <laughs> Can you please do an append- appendectomy? He- Ray would have been like, a what now? <laughs> like- <laughs> and I just know that's true. Uh, anyway. As for the barracks storyline, Sawyer somehow makes it through all of those bullets almost hitting him. There's no way that he actually makes it through that unscathed. Like, no. I really think that was Jacob Absolutely. Yeah. protecting him in that moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Can I say something that I, about the Jack still that I forgot? Yes, 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 yes please. Because we, we said, uh, then we'll discuss it later in, spoiler, in the spoiler section, is yes. when um, Kate talks to... No, wait, who was it? Uh, there was a thing about uh, Jack about skate about jade and skate that we were discussing uh-huh. and yeah. at some point either you or casey were saying oh but for juliet but in the next episode i think kate talks to juliet about uh, juliet talks to kate about the fact that jack kissed her oh and that it was about oh okay him and not about her and so it's okay don't worry kate so basically this episode is for us to realize that Kate cares more about Jack than Sawyer, and the next episode is that Jack cares more. I mean, the confirmation that Jack cares more about Kate than. Oh Juliet. right, Kate doesn't know about it yet, so she's yes. doing her weird flirting, and that's why mm-hmm. it's so weird. Is because Jack's like, I'm kind of in a thing <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, you can gotcha. continue. Go ahead. So Ben goes in his like super secret room, his secret room inside of his secret room, and we see sort of what's down there in season six. Ben has some sort of weird like. 
to be honest, you guys, season six, like the island stuff in season six is what is the most cloudy to me mm-hmm. in all of my memories of this show. So like it's an episode, it's called Dead is Dead. And Ben goes down there and has some sort of like vision of Alex, I think. And yeah, so there's that. that's what we see eventually down there is that's okay. what's happening down there. We assume that all of these guys who got attacked by the smoke monster are dead now. I'm not sure how any of them survive, but I know that like, I don't remember if all of them survive, but we see a bunch of them mm. really? still there. Like definitely Kimi and Omar are alive. Mm. Well, yeah. And, like, I'm pretty sure we see multiple guys at the... Like, Frank is handcuffed to the helicopter. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it's next episode or Cabin Fever, where we go to the helicopter. And then, like, I think maybe Sai... No, can't be. He's on the freighter. Somebody, like, sends a bomb in there and then, like... Kimi kicks it over to the other boys and they get blown up instead of him or something like that. Yeah, I feel like Kimi is there. Like, either way, there's a bunch of them there. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah, I'm not sure how any of them survive, but I think in this episode, we're supposed to assume that they all died. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As of right now. Which is fair. I mean, yeah, it's okay. There, there were lots of them. On Lostpedia, it said, in the penultimate episode of the series, What They Died For, Ben revealed that the monster was actually summoning him rather than him summoning the monster. Mm. But what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm, is that? What does that true? mean? And how is that true? Because Ben goes down there. Yeah. To get the monster. Like, I, yeah, I'm not really sure what that means, to be honest. Uh, same. Yeah. I, we'll find out when we get to season six eventually, I guess. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I often, I mean, I don't know if this is a matter of script or, or, Mm-hmm. or what, or if it was intentional, but it, it often looks like what the higher powers of the islands do mm-hmm. is also to play with the, with the people there. So yeah. Ben might be... I had the impression about... I haven't watched season five and six in a while, uh, but I had the impression, I remember at some point, that Ben was actually under the assumption sometimes that he was in control, uh, mm-hmm. but most of the time he was not. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. uh, meaning he was acting... Uh, under the assumption that he was in control, but he was not in reality. And that was also part of the thing that uh, the other powers apart from him were deciding things and were making it look as if he was deciding. And because mm-hmm. he was so convinced of being in the lead, then he was saying, oh yeah, of course it was me. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't know. It's it's also, I'm not very sure about it. I don't remember much about yeah. season six. Comes. Yeah, I don't know either. Miles says that he wants to go with them and Sawyer hands him a torch. And I'm like, like, I, I love their friendship so much. Every time I think about it, I'm like, the sweet little buddy cops in season six flash sideways. <laughs> Those are just yeah. my best friends. I love them. And Locke also is like, Ben, you lied to me because you told me you didn't know what the monster was. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think he does. <laughs> he doesn't. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. I, I'm pretty sure Ben doesn't actually have no. any idea what the monster actually is. No, absolutely not. The same way as he didn't know, he had never spoken to Ch- Jacob before. Yeah. Or at all. I don't remember if he mm-hmm. ever speak, talks to him, but anyway. he Well, he does. In season five, he finally sees him and then kills him. Uh, okay, so... So he has never talked to Jacob. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can right. act as if he knows him and he's in control of the smoke, mon- mo- smoke monster or knows how, how it works. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, 
no. Anyway. Hmm. As for the flashes, unless anyone has anything else they want to say about the island. So about the island, I have yeah. one question, which is, can you remind me what happened to Claire after this episode? Because I don't remember. Yeah. So basically, Sawyer, Miles, Claire, and Aaron are like vibing. And then in the middle of the night, Claire like goes off because she sees Christian Shepherd, and she's like, dad? And uh. so she follows him to Jacob's cabin and Sawyer and Miles wake up and Aaron is just like there and they're forced to since they can't find her they're forced to just sort of like keep going yeah and um Claire is in the cabin with Christian I'm pretty sure Ben and Locke no maybe just Ben someone gets to the cabin to see them Mm -hmm. and Claire says I'm fine I'm just vibing they leave the island Claire stays there, and then when she's completely not at all in season five. Yeah. And then in season six, we find her, and she's gone insane because her baby was stolen. Uh Uh-huh. And she, like, becomes the new Rousseau, basically. Yeah, because because when we learn that Kate's son is Aaron, and I think it's a few episodes before this one, Mm -hmm. then we, from that moment on, Claire's situation is always a bit unclear, but it's as if we know that something is going to happen to her. Yes. And it's, I don't particularly like the way they dealt with that. Because, okay, yeah. it's uh, it's the typical lost thing that they throw a thing there because they want to get up later. But, yeah. okay, you find out that Aaron doesn't have Claire anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while because he grew older in the meantime. He grew up in the meantime. But, mm-hmm. but why not have some justification to what's happening to Claire in the mm-hmm. meantime? It's... Again, I mean, it's uh, it's not necessarily the misogyny of the show. It's 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 also the fact that they prefer certain characters over others for no particular yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit weird. It's connected to this fact that in this episode, okay, she was uh, uh, she was not feeling well, maybe. But but what's the reason for her <laughs> to not be in the scene when her right. player is? And and it's it's the same thing over and over for Claire. I feel at some point they is, just yeah. really did not know what to do with her. They had already decided that they wanted to make Kate a mom for some reason and that meant that Claire had to be pushed out of frame first and then of the whole show but uh, they could have found a more elegant way to do that yeah oh yeah yeah I agree oh yeah for Uh, sure yeah so anyway this is uh, one thing and then the other thing that is about the island was because we were mentioning it before. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the first episodes, maybe as far as I remember, where we start to understand that uh, there's a point for Hurley always being around when we yeah. happen. Because what did I write down? It is about yeah. I mean, I I think at least as far as I remember, this is the first episode where I remember that we started getting the point of Hurley being there and of his importance in certain mm-hmm. plot lines. The fact that he knows where where the cabin is. The fact that it's okay. Uh, uh, Sawyer uh, is uh, is upset with Locke because he's worried Hurley is going to get hurt. But there is mm-hmm. a point for Hurley to go with Locke and Ben. Yeah, more and more. I feel as well um, yeah and here it's it's still subtle but we get a hint with the fact that he's there throughout the episode and that mm-hmm. he is made aware of many other things that happen so then it makes yeah. sense that he ends this the the show the way that he does yeah uh, we do for such a long time it's sort of like happy-go-lucky hurley he be here hanging out here to make us laugh Mm-hmm. Yes. And now we're finally getting like, no, no, he's important and here's yeah. why. Yeah, there's a He's point. actually like a person who was brought here for a reason. Exactly. And there's a point for him always being around. It's not just because he's the he's the comic relief. 
there is uh, there is plot also around him. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm here at my note of explain how he got there. I don't want to write it out, but you know, you crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Basically, what happens is sometime in season five, uh, Ben says, Kate, gotta move the island. So he goes down into the well that we see John do. So this is after John left, um, mm-hmm. after what we see in The Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham. Mm-hmm. And basically, they go down to this sort of like chilly little place, which is why Ben has the jacket on. And it's from the orchid. Mm. Does he go before? Maybe he goes before. No, I don't think so. Sorry, guys. The timeline the timeline gets confusing in season five. You understand. Yeah. yeah. But basically, like, they go down into this, like, chilly little place. And uh, the, the Dharma logo is the orchid, um, which Locke and Ben go into in the season four finale. It's where Kimi dies. And... So he goes down into the chilly little place and there's a donkey wheel down there. And it's sort of like revealed that they got the polar bears to move it whenever they needed to, which is why the polar bears basically show up in Tunisia and die, um, which sucks. Not great. But yeah, he goes down there. He turns the donkey wheel. The It must have been him who makes the island go bloop in the season four finale. So I think this actually all happens in the season four finale. Okay. And uh, and then he, he pops out in Tunisia and the island has moved. Okay, I have a, a science question here. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best, man. <laughs> so, okay, so that's why the polar bears ended up, or the polar bear singular ended up in Tunisia. Correct, is okay. that they, the Dharma initiative used to get the polar bears to move it whenever they needed it to move. Or or if not, like, yeah, it would have been the Dharma initiative. Okay. Whenever they needed, they didn't want to send people, so they just sent the polar bears. And then the polar bears would just die because they obviously can't live in the desert. And that's why their fossils were there. Okay, then uh, here comes my science question. Why is Charlotte, an anthropologist, Mm -hmm. digging up polar, polar bears? Correct. Um, So basically, I think, yeah, yeah. So Charlotte says in season five that she's like looking for where she was born and where she grew up um, as a child because, and we know that she was there with the Dharma Initiative, but we see her with, uh, with Dan at the end of season five. Yes. And that's why she is the one who gets like the most sick when the, when it keeps like flashing through time is because she's the one who's been on the island the longest Uh because she was on the island for like five years when she was growing up or six, maybe. Okay. And so- I don't know if she's, if anthropologists just don't do archaeologist stuff, uh, but the reason why she's specifically doing that and because she looks so pumped about it is because she's like, sees the Dharma Initiative thing. Her parents were part of the Dharma Initiative and she's like, it's finally a clue. Okay, I see. Mm. So maybe she was called in because of that thing. Okay. Because of the Dharma Initiative thing or yeah. something. No, no, it's just yeah. that she's uh, she seems to know about cultures and not animals. Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, sure, but uh, are you looking into why the old Tunisian people used to have polar bears? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Ben was smart enough to pack his passport when he was going to move the island. I thought that was really smart. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Nadia. So we see Nadia at the end of season four. She like shows up at the press conference and she says, oh my God, Saeed. And they find each other again. It's so beautiful. And she, she, they go to LA and she gets hit by a car and that's how she died. I hate it. In season, at the end of season five, we see that. So. Yeah. Is it, is it true that this guy is the one that killed Nadia? 
I believe that is true. I yes. Think so. okay. He has a yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Ben says he's gonna kill Penny, and he does give it a try. He does try, but he doesn't actually kill Penny, which is good. Yeah, thank God. That, that's very good indeed. And when we were talking about the rules and everything, uh, I thought it was interesting. I can't remember which one of you said it, but uh, saying something like, maybe it's not rules that they imposed on themselves, but rules that were imposed upon them or something like that. Mm. And that sort of reminded me of the rules that Jacob and MIB are forced to follow, like right. magically. Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's yeah. That, that's a bit what I was thinking of because... Uh-huh. Because, okay, this one white, one black uh, thing yeah. that, that comes back all the time and, and we can connect it to, to everything. Ben and, and Whitmore are both black. They're both mm-hmm. very bad, both of them. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's also, it might be that these rules that exist also exist when there, are, there is an opposition uh, mm-hmm. between two people or two forces and they try to uh, keep things balanced. That's why I was thinking for uh, for the smoke monster. Okay, maybe the smoke monster is trying to rebalance things because Whitmore won by killing Alex, mm-hmm. and yeah. now they Ooh. need to sort of okay. Uh, oh, yeah. It cannot be all in Whitmore's uh, uh, in Whitmore's favor. We need to have something that balances that, and then mm-hmm. that way we can restart from scratch every time. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the yeah. island doing that, if it's Jacob and uh, Mib, or uh, yeah. But, uh, but that's yeah. what I was thinking when the smoke monster came up and only attacked Whitmore's man. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But then I don't know if it's intentional as well. Yeah. All right, I got two more points here for you guys. So on Lostpedia, it said, Ben informs Widmore he's going to search for Penny while Widmore says he will continue to search for the island. Both say the other will not find what they are looking for. Mm-hmm. In fact, both men eventually do find what they're searching for. Ben finds Penny in Dead is Dead and Widmore finds the island in Dr. Linus. Mm. Lastly, Widmore calls Ben boy because Ben was always younger than him I mean like Widmore was a young adult in the 50s Mm -hmm. or like maybe like a teenager in the 50s when we see him I'm like how old is this man Hmm. you know Hmm. I'm just like because he must be so so if if in 19 like 55 or whatever he's already a teen let's say 20 that's gonna give us like at least 70 by 2000 so he's like in his mid 70s maybe Who's the, do we know how old the Desmond and Penny are? Um, maybe one sec. Lostpedia Desmond. Desmond is. It doesn't say, so maybe not. But I mean, the thing is that if Penny waited for him for eight years and they were together yes. also before that, and they had a life before that, they're not super yeah. young. So it would make yeah. sense as well that uh, Widmore is not younger than seven yeah yeah right 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 and and like we know that ben was like a kid sort of when yeah. i looked it up and there are eight years between the actors between alan dale and michael emerson oh wow but i think that they're meant to look younger like i think there there's meant to be a larger gap there ben is meant to be much younger yes than, than yeah. his actual age i think correct yeah so yeah it's just interesting to hear widmore call him boy Because they seem to be on such, like, par with each other, like, evil (laughs) power-wise. True. So, yeah. And I wonder if that sort of, like, gives us an insight into how long they've known each other. Mm. Because you would not call a man that age boy unless you had a past. But wait, because when Ben killed all those people in, uh, in the Dharma village. Yeah. When he killed his dad as well. 
mm-hmm. he did not know about Widmore's existence, or did he? He would have because Widmore was one of the hostiles at that point. He was one of the others. Huh. Okay. Like, Widmore is there when Alex gets stolen away. And Widmore, like, wants to just kill Alex, and Ben says he's going to take care of her. Okay. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's time travel, guys. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. He's older than him, for sure. Yeah. He probably... Well, uh... It, ben was always a bit of the wonder kid, I guess, because he was not sold when he killed a bunch of people. So maybe yeah. that's also why he's treated as if he's very young. I'm going to see if it says how old. So Ben was born in 1964, okay. December 1964. We have that. And then... Um... Yes, because we see when he was born. So then Yeah, it doesn't really look like December, but okay. okay yeah. And then let me see if we know when Charles Woodmore was born. 1964 so when we see when interesting when we see like widmore in the 50s ben isn't even born yet oh my god it says that he's 70 at time of death and he died and i want to say like 2007 birth 1937 okay so okay okay birth 1937 versus 64 so 1964 minus 1937 27 years 27 years between them dang that's insane yeah for the actors being eight years apart, that's bro, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a little that's a little bit of a stretch, I gotta say. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, they really tried to pull that off. They sure did. <laughs> but it worked because um, yeah. because it, it makes sense in a way that there is a large difference between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, age difference. Yeah. Weird. Mm. All right, anything else, you guys, or shall we wrap it up here? Okay, let me just double check my notes. No problem. That, uh... I know, sometimes I go through my notes and I'm just like, did we cover this in three and a half hours? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it. And uh, I, I love the, the time travel thing, but I've said that before. Yeah. So it's great. Done. All right, well, that was fun. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Yay. Thank you. Yay. You were That's awesome, great. as always. Thank you so much for your Ben insights. It's Thank true. you. <laughs> I was very excited about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was so fun. I loved it. Great. It was worth getting up at 10 a.m. Uh, getting up at 8.30 to record <laughs> at 10 a.m. for me. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Um, if you want to follow any of us on whatever social media exists now, uh, go and check out uh, the description um, at The Aficionados and our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Aficionados. Uh, we will see you guys for next episode where hopefully we have a few nice things to say about Jack because it is all about him. So I want I want him to have at least a few compliments. I might be able to muster up some sympathy. I'm sending good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. She needs some crackers.